0: Sweet end. can I stay with you a while? Cause this road's been putting miles on my heart Sweetheart, I've been living in a fantasy But one day lightning will strike And my bark will lose its bite with Welcome to the Best Picture cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a Who Should Have Won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. You can find us on any of our socials at bestpicturecast. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. And we are back. Yet again, here we are for the next chapter in the log here at Best Picture Cast. And this will be the first movie of three in our 1970s series we're doing here over the next three episodes. We're going to do three movies from the decade that I consider to be the best decade in Oscar history. And we're going to cover three movies with all of the different guests that we've had since the beginning here. So we're going to spread the BPC roster across these three movies. Today we start with... Annie Hall, and I uh, welcome back two of the aforementioned co-hosts here, and uh, we'll start with Rob R. Rob, how you doing? Welcome back. Doing great, Karen. Glad to be back. Glad to jump into Annie Hall. It's gonna be That's great. it, absolutely. And this is—it's about one year since we recorded the Chicago podcast. Wow, time um, flies. Yeah, time flies. I think that was done on the day they canceled the NCAA tournament, so it was like pretty much exactly to the year. Wow, what a downer. Yeah, well. We'll just brighten it up by talking about Woody Allen, I suppose. <laughs> and before we do our Woody Allen disclaimer, I'm going to uh, introduce the next co host here, and that is uh, Oz. Oz, welcome back to Best Picture Cast. Thank
1: you for having me. Last one I had to do was Cavalcade that you made me watch, and so I'm happy to actually do something like, <laughs> that I enjoy to, to watch.
0: Right. Fast <laughs> forward the clocks here uh, several, several decades. It is Annie Hall, and this is uh, essentially a Woody Allen themed podcast here, so we're going to get this out front as we did with the American Beauty episode and Kevin Spacey we realized that Woody Allen is a problematic character and that uh, is I guess I suppose topical these days when when his name comes up but we focus on the art and not the artist not necessarily the artist here at Best Picture Cast so we're going to kind of steer clear of the controversy surrounding Woody Allen and focus more on this specific movie which is Annie Hall
1: Right, I'm 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 about to compliment Woody Allen for like two hours straight now, so I know there could be some problems in the future with that. I'm aware. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm
2: gonna guess that the Best Picture cast audience is smart enough to know that inappropriately touching underage children is a bad thing. Yes. So, just for everyone's knowledge, we are on the same page. Yes. And we're not condoning
0: any of his behavior in his personal life. We are certainly not praising him as a uh, as a citizen. We are just uh, discussing his his work and. That work includes the Best Picture winner of the year 1977, and that is Annie Hall. And if you, if you really look at it, it may be the only true comedy to win Best Picture. Mm. I mean, there's, you have some older rom-coms in the, in the earlier decades, but this one is certainly, as we get further in the, in the century, you, you run into mostly dramas and mostly epics and period pieces, and this is a rare comedy in the mix.
2: Yeah, certainly the first comedy to win. And the, the one of the things that's really cool about this win is that it's kind of the anti-best picture. And this was one of the one of the reasons why I was uh, drawn to do this episode. Not only from the standpoint that this is the first comedy to win versus, you know, dramas or, you know, westerns or whatever is winning before it, but also anti-heroes, really. Uh, it, Woody Allen was the kind of anti-leading man. He's the opposite of a Clark Gable or a John Wayne, the big, strong, confident, decisive leading man who is you know physically dominant over the bad guys or whatever the case may be he's a small weak insecure mm-hmm. nervous obsessed with his own uh, faults type of guy and it's really cool to see this win and kind of break the mold especially since this year 1977 uh star wars was up for best right, picture as well and it beat that out so yeah. i mean that's and, really saying something
1: uh, uh, the part of the story and Woody Allen is exactly what you said he is the anti and he knows it and that's what he brought to the table mm. I mean, that was his whole humor you know it's I'm, I'm not these other guys that everyone loves and everyone thinks is handsome and right. I'm just uh, you know not Clark Gable right <laughs> right. Yeah. right um one of the things that jumped out at me about before we talk about like the plot and everything um it's also rated PG Which is funny, because it's not a PG movie, but that's before there was PG-13. So I guess at that time it was PG or R, and it wasn't gonna get the R. Although today, I don't know, this might get an R. (laughs) This could get an R rating
0: today. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's interesting to think about too, because I think that this probably would be rated
1: R today i mean at least pg-13 for sure but it, th- it doesn't have it doesn't the, really language have the language is
0: kind of yeah relatively clean i mean it's su- it's suggestive yeah. dialogue but not necessarily vulgarity
1: it would have to be subject matter that would make it an r movie yeah
2: right? i mean yeah. you have multiple situations where he's in bed with his wives or he's trying to proposition them um to have sex and like yeah. that kind of stuff would at least get you a pg-13 yeah, yeah. Those, the
1: sex just, talk. those kind of situations the sex talk probably makes it an r now i I
0: think. And I think ratings matter a little less than they used to. Certainly in the 90s and when ratings were, you know, they were pushing to get ratings on television shows and everything. People were uh, were sense, a little more censor crazy back then. But last week we discussed Oliver and that is the first year they implemented the rating system, uh, which is 1968. So this is you know 10 years later. But Oliver was the first and only G-rated movie to win Best Picture. So it is interesting to see kind of 10 years later, them throwing this out there as a PG and and getting in the mix. I I would say that the standard is that Rated R usually wins. We talk about this being kind of one of the lone comedies to win. In addition to talking about Annie Hall today, we are going to give our personal favorite comedies of the 21st century, so of the 2000s. Uh, Rob, you're a big big comedy genre guy. This is probably your your favorite movie genre, I would say? Oh, yeah, of course, easily. Yeah, so we all uh, crunched our heads for this one, and we have our own... List so I'm excited to, to give those It was not exactly an easy task here We're going through a bunch <laughs> And this
1: is I waited to ask you this Because I, I haven't seen all the movies um, And I didn't really even want to research it beforehand w- Were there any else that were Like borderline comedies what do you, like, Or is this firm the only comedy And that's it
0: I, th- I think this is the only one where comedy Is the primary function Of the movie Where uh, There's movies like you know It Happened One Night From the 30s that are rom-coms and this is a rom-com, too. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. But the clear purpose of this is to is to deliver his right. his comedic approach and, and his... I mean, he has him doing stand-up in the movie. So it's, right. uh, so I would say this is the, the closest thing that you see. Comedy such a... Sub-
1: I mean, everything's subjective, I understand that. But comedy is, is, I think, the most subjective genre of movies. You know, there's not <laughs> many... Yeah. Mo- I can't think of really... I mean, we'll, I, we'll get into it with the, with the rankings. But, I mean, how many universally... Loved comedies are there that every, like, between whether it's a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 60-year-old, will be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's a, that's funny. Because Woody's not for everyone either. They tend to
0: get locked in the time capsule whenever they came out. Right. Because you're playing off of what's funny at the time. And that's one thing that stood out to me about this movie is is that it's pretty timeless. And, yeah. And not as dated as I expected it to be with a lot of the things they're talking about are people issues and human issues that are mm-hmm. still in everybody's mind whether whether it's the 70s or whether it's 2020 you know yeah absolutely um one of the i guess
2: impacts of this movie is it really paves the way for that kind of new york intellectual humor and i think that you've you know we'll, we'll get to this category later with with if you like this what else would you like but Woody Allen really paves the way for a lot of the uh
0: Voices that would be dominant comedy voices, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, and I, I think it's impossible to watch Annie Hall and not think of Kirby Enthusiasm or yeah, think of right. Seinfeld. I mean, it's their direct descendants of this and clearly 100%. influenced by his work.
1: Taking it out of even uh, TV or movies, he's very Howard Stern like, or Howard Stern is very Woody like, with the with the yeah. humor, talking about his past, probably mm-hmm. exaggerating his past, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> always talking about, you know, like below average he is and everything kind of thing. Yeah. This, that, that, it's, it's really, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's something that's that's carried on. I think we are ready to go here. Anything we want to say before we start the old deep
0: dive here? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's jump right in. So the year is 1977. Jimmy Carter was sworn into office as the 39th president of the United States alongside Vice President Walter Mondale. Carter is the first and only president to be from the great state of Georgia. Go Braves. The World Series that year saw the New York Yankees defeat the L.A. Dodgers in six games. to Go win there. <laughs> we'll see if there'll be a repeat of that this year. But uh, it saw the New York Yankees defeat the L.A. Dodgers in six games to win their 21st championship and the first that they won in the past 15 years. The Yankees were managed by Billy Martin, who would win his first and only championship as a Yankees manager this year. And the series MVP was Mr. October Reggie Jackson, who would famously hit three home runs in game six to clinch the World Series victory and earn his seasonal nickname. Jackson's heroics and likeness were featured in the rare ESPN original series Bronx is Burning. You guys remember that one?
1: Yeah, I do. Those were like in the mid-2000s, right? They yeah, like not a ton of right. original programming no. that's like, you know, just like a series from ESPN. They might have did that and be like, oh, what, why are we wasting our time? Let's just do a documentary. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. I, yeah,
0: know, they're they're cool. I think the 30 for <laughs> thirties is where they move next. Reggie, Reggie Jackson was portrayed by Daniel uh, Sunjata, who is from Rescue Me. If You guys, if you guys, Rescue Me? Who next, is
1: he in that?
0: He is Franco in Rescue Me. Oh, Franco. Me. Yeah, Billy Martin was portrayed by John Turturro. And George Steinbrenner, this is the second week in a row that this gentleman's coming up. He was portrayed by an Oliver that we discussed in last week's episode, Oliver Platt. Uh, We had a hard time coming up with what our favorite Oliver Platt movie was. You know, John Tutoro in that movie, he said that that was his best work as an actor. Is that right? his entire career. As portraying uh, Billy Martin? Portraying Billy Martin, yeah.
1: Interesting. Wow.
0: Uh, Reggie Jackson was a bit of an actor himself. Uh, His credits include The Naked Gun, (laughs) The Benchwarmers. The uh, Spike Lee joint, Summer of Sam, okay. uh, episodes of Malcolm in the Middle and Mag- uh, MacGyver. I'm sure he, pl- he really killed it in MacGyver. Uh, and a movie where his three-home-run World Series effort was the central theme, the comedy classic, Basketball. Wow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the number one song of the year in 1977 was Tonight's the Night Gonna Be Alright by the great Rod Stewart. Who doesn't love some Rod Stewart? Uh, there were some mega Billboard number one hits this year, in addition to tonight's The Night. Uh, Your Love Has Lifted Me Higher by Rita Coolidge. You may remember that from the Ghostbusters movies. So the Dancing yeah, There's Toaster.
1: like a very recent commercial with the guy singing to his plant, too, in 2021 <laughs> with that song.
0: Rich Girl by Hall & Oates. Okay. Who doesn't love Hall & Oates? Hotel California by The Eagles. Wow. Dancing Queen by ABBA. Rob, I know you're going to like this next one. We'll get our fins up for this next one. Margaritaville <laughs> Wow, by Jimmy Buffett. This is a powerhouse yeah, power of a power year. year. Holy That's shit. Buffett's been around a long time. <laughs> and finally, the song that magically returned to the top 40 charts in 2020 over 40 years after it went number one. With the help of some ocean spray, cranberry juice, and a skateboard, that's Fleetwood Mac's lone billboard number one track, Dreams. Uh, What a phenomenon. That guy got his uh, like a free truck or something from Ocean Spray, (laughs) Yep, filled with Ocean Spray. Man. The power of Good TikTok.
1: The American dream. <laughs>
0: That's exactly right. <laughs> the best picture was Andy Hall. was directed by Woody Allen and produced by Charles Jaffe. The original screenplay was done by Woody Allen and Marshall Brookman, and the cinematography was done by Gordon Willis. It's starring Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, Tony Roberts, Christopher Walken, Shelley Duvall, Paul Simon, Jeff Goldblum, and believe it or not, Sigourney Weaver's stuck in there too. It was nominated for five Oscars. It was the winner of four, including Best Picture, Best Director, Woody Allen, Best Lead Actress, Diane Keaton, Best Original Screenplay, Woody Allen and Marshall Brickman. It was also nominated for, but did not win Best Lead Actor by Woody Allen. Here it is, Annie Hall. Again, you know, just as we look at these here, it just misses winning the big five. There's only three movies ever that did that. One for the Cuckoo's Nest, Silence of the Lambs, and it happened one night another rom-com. Woody Allen's nomination, but non-win, for Best Actor is the only thing that kept it aside of winning Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Lead Actor and Lead Actress. It's kind of surprising. It is. What do, well, I guess that's a good place to start. How, what do we think of Woody Allen here as the lead actor? And Rob, you mentioned a little bit in kind of the uh, the anti-hero, yeah. Format here, but how, what do we think about his performance alone? Here? Well, who did win best uh, best actor that year? Best actor know? went to Richard Dreyfuss for The Goodbye Girl. It was Can't one say, of the movies I having seen that one. Yeah, I, I think he, it's a big year for him too because he's in Close Encounters. So I think it's one of those where he's starring in two two major films. So he he got the nod with that. Goodbye Girl was one of the ones I watched here uh, for this too. So we'll talk about that at mm-hmm. the end when we get to the other nominees. But uh, Richard Dreyfuss is also probably two years removed from Jaws, so he's probably a big deal yeah. at this point. Yeah, could he's have been his, his
1: apex. Yeah, it could have been one of those. Ah, uh, we got to get this guy, uh, get he, this guy an award.
0: The other thing too is, it seems when directors act and get nominated for both, they never win both. No one's ever done it. So they right. usually give it to one or the other. Yeah. Whether it was Eastwood, or um, you know, we've seen some guys who didn't win either, like Bradley Cooper and mm-hmm. *Stars Born*. They went director here with this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean that seems pretty reasonable. I
2: think also, you know. Thinking about the, you know, well, I think we could say pretentious kind of Oscar uh, committee mentality. Woody is playing himself pretty much. Right. So it, it doesn't seem like uh, as maybe are maybe they didn't think it was as much of a reach for him. Right, was, they're not, not going to be impressed with himself, somebody Yeah,
1: himself. He didn't himself. have to
2: do like whatever the actor's journey is of
0: like finding himself in right. another person. Right, there's no person. method here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. He's living the method Yeah, I think that when you're giving out a best acting award... That's probably going to work against you if you're just more or less playing yourself. Right. I, I'd have to think that kind of went into their minds a little bit. But he is pretty solid and pretty tight here. And uh, really, most of the cast is. I mean, the dialogue is super sharp and and pretty quick and witty. And there's long takes. And it's not, this is not the easiest project to just hop into and nail it.
1: Yeah, it's almost, it, it's kind of a roundabout. Discussion to have because it's hard to picture anyone else in that role because it's it's his story. Should he have gotten it? Should he have not gotten it? Who knows? I, I don't know what they consider as far as is that an award-winning le- level performance when you're playing yourself um, in your own story. But it's just it. I, I just couldn't picture anyone else in it. Yeah, I just couldn't.
0: The the, the other thing that kind of stands out to me and it's kind of hard. We're, we're listen, we're New Yorkers, so it's yeah. it's going to be something that we're going to take seriously when you see a movie like this. The portrayal of New York here really is wonderful. I mean, yeah. whether it's the shots that they took on the South Fork of Long Island or the all the stuff on the streets of Manhattan. Yeah, the rooftop on Annie Hall's apartment building when they have to go up there for a glass of
2: white wine. That's just, you know, it's such a New York, Manhattan kind of thing to do. And you've got all the buildings in the background and you're just kind of hanging out. Yeah, I mean, and especially during tough times for New York City, really portrayed it. in a. I mean, but what Woody, Woody's done that. For many of his movies Manhattan You know Being another example yeah. New York is always getting a, a, a nice Generous view From Woody For sure
1: And I think when He's trying to avoid The current times Because he's trying Not to date the movie You know If you mm-hmm. if you talk about The current times In late 1970s Then you've just Automatically dated The movie to the 70s Yeah Now it's no longer That breakup story That you could relate to At any time And it's now Now it's pinpointed To the one time
2: there are a number of references to characters wanting to get out of New York, and that's one of the themes that goes through the movie. Everyone kind of wants to go to LA between Diane Keaton's character, Annie, and his friend, Rob, uh, who he calls Max. Yeah, we gotta talk about you know, that yeah, at yeah. some yep. point. <laughs> um, they, everyone seems to want to get to LA, and then obviously Woody goes out to LA and has you know all kinds of issues with it, even on a physical level.
0: There is, it's not just Woody kind of playing himself here. You do He did, he was in a relationship with Diane Keaton, and he was real life friends with the, the, uh, with Max <laughs> yeah with Max it is. Max and Max, Max. <laughs> so there is that authenticity here with the dialogue and with the uh, the chemistry between the actors and it was pretty clear and, and pretty potent on the screen I thought, and I'm sure.
1: sure when he's doing the flashbacks like early on in the movie when he talks about living under the roller coaster and in his, in his, his head like his whole apartment is shaking like crazy like it's de- destroying the apartment and probably that's just his hyperactive imagination right that's probably not true that's probably how he was in real life too probably exaggerating his, uh, his past you know, yeah. it, 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 for the sake of being funny but that, that's why I think its uh, it, it feels so authentic because it, it really is
0: yeah and in talking about New York we're doing another great New York film next week in The Godfather I want to talk about what we're drinking here today and I did bring a New York beer along for the mix here I have the Sloop Brewing Juice Bomb IPA it's a Northeastern IPA it is delicious I highly recommend you checking out Sloop Brewery they crush it what
1: do you have for today? I have a uh, from Six Point Brewery in Bo- Brooklyn part for Woody um, and the Sweet Action from Six Point Brewery. Very good beer. Very good Can't brewery. Can't miss the Sweet Action. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a Lagunitas, which is a Chicago beer. Didn't get the New York memo. Sorry, that's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thrown back it's to not your not first, even... <laughs> uh, your BPC debut
2: here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, this is the Lagunitas uh, Daytime Ale. I love their, uh, their IPA, but
1: this
0: is a lot, uh, I guess, lighter.
1: Drinkable, drink more drinkable. session very nice. And I
0: should mention too is that since since you've been on with us, you've kind of Rob, you've launched your own podcast too, the uh, Thursday Night Sales Podcast. Thursday Night Sales Podcast, very
1: entertaining. Yeah,
2: and we just um, Kieran, you were just on this the the episode that just came out, just dropped, very exciting. The salesies, right? Yeah. So this is the you know the 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 podcast is traditionally about just kind of making fun of office culture, especially sales culture, and, and I'm a you know professional salesperson in my in my nine-to-five, but this uh, most recent uh, episode is actually a two-parter where we did the Salesy Awards, which was kind of a mock award show about the most memorable scenes in, I guess, sales-themed movies or TV. Yeah,
0: yeah. we had a blast. So they, we, we talked everyone from Michael Scott to uh, to Tommy Boy to uh, Gil from, from The Simpsons. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> to, to
2: McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street to Gordon Gecko
0: to Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary. All Covered all the, all the yeah, stops there. Yeah, a lot of there. different
2: categories, so yeah. That's uh,
0: TN Sales Pod. TN Sales Pod. It's a, it's a good, quick listen. All the episodes are, are a lot of fun and real uh, real easy sit-down to easy listening. You know, puts, puts a smile on your face. Good stuff. Definitely sure. give
1: them a listen. It's it's. Yep. And <laughs> it's uh, the social it.
0: media is at TN Sales Pod? Yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, at TN Sales Pod. Fantastic. Uh, so I, I think I should just ask next, guys, what was your first experience with Annie Hall? Was this watching for this? I mean, I, you have both seen this before?
1: Yes. I, I do like Woody Allen movies, um, and if you're gonna watch, and really it was with uh, Midnight in Paris that I started really liking him. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you go back and watch a couple of his movies, and if you're gonna watch any of them, this obviously is is one of them you're gonna you're gonna watch. Or if you're trying to research, it's like oh you gotta watch this one. Uh, so I did watch it a couple of years ago, and then I gave it the the multiple rewatch, you know, in preparation for this. I got
2: introduced to Woody really early. In life, my uncle on my dad's side made it a, a point to kind of get me skilled up on the comedies, like the classic comedies. It started out with like uh, the Marx Brothers and Duck Soup, yeah. to mm. oh, yeah. you know Woody Allen was a huge part of that. Um, from the movie Sleeper to Take the Money and Run, um, Annie Hall, Manhattan, etc. One of the this is not going to ruin the best quotes category, but one of the things that always stuck out to me about the way that Woody, Woody talked was when he would do these rants describing people. He does it in this movie when he meets uh, his first wife, Alison Porchnik and says, oh, so you're like a, a New York Jewish left-wing liberal intellectual, Central Park West, Brandeis University, the socialist summer camps, and the father with the Ben Sean drawings, right, and really, you know, strike-oriented, kind of red diaper, stop me before I make a complete imbecile of myself. <laughs> and he, does that. he does that a lot, and that even as, even as like a 10-year-old that stuck out to me as funny and different than, you know, the way that anyone else I knew spoke.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with, with Woody, Allen's, Woody Allen's filmography, for me, I'm pretty limited in, in what I've seen. I saw Annie Hall probably about seven or eight years ago and, and loved it then and had a new experience with it this time. Just really, really was taken back with a lot of things in this movie. I recently also watched Midnight in Paris. That's it for, for Woody Allen for me. I really haven't seen a ton of stuff. I have been trying to see Mighty Aphrodite, which was uh, Mira Servino won... The, the Oscar for supporting actress in that. And I've had a, a lifelong infatuation with Mira Sorvino. She's <laughs> awesome yeah. and in, in, in every sense of the word. Uh, and I just, this is not streaming anywhere. You can't you can't get your hands on I finally got my hands on the copy of the DVD this week, and the damn thing didn't work. So, oh, man. So well, i still have a yes. DVD player. Yeah, the, yeah oh, yeah. yeah. If, I would, if
2: I could recommend two other Woody movies that I haven't mentioned yet, um, Deconstructing Harry is him kind of at his, like, most despicable, but like most self-reflective as well. And that's a really funny one. Um, And Demi Moore is his wife and she's hilarious in it. Oh no, not Demi Moore, uh, Kirstie Alley is hilarious in it. And um, uh, small time crooks, Michael Rapoport's in that. And he's really funny. The, The plot of that is basically him and a couple of his friends are kind of idiot small time thieves. They try to knock over a bank. So what they do is they rent the storefront right next door to the bank. And while they're drilling in, as a front, Woody Allen's wife starts baking cookies. And lo and behold, the cookie shop takes off and they become millionaires from the cookies. Oh,
1: wow. That's a really funny movie. And Rappaport's yeah. really funny. And then uh, this crazy. is not a podcast about Rappaport, but if he gets in the right role, he's yeah. <laughs> he's fantastic. He's something else. The other one that stuck
0: out to me, I don't know if either of you guys saw this, Blue Jasmine. Have yeah. of you seen that one? Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett won, uh, I think, won an Oscar in that one, too. Yeah. And you have a Louis C.K., if we want to get all the problematic characters out of the Right, them. yeah, let's all <laughs> do it at once, right? Who's uh, yeah, but... Uh, so that was another one that, that popped out to me that I wanted to check out, now, but they took that one off. Did you
1: like uh, Midnight in Paris?
0: I did. I liked it a lot. And I, I didn't like it for the first like 15 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. And then when it takes its turn, I'm like, whoa, whoa, something else is going on here. So I really did enjoy that a lot. And uh, so there's a couple I'd like, Bullets Over Broadway, I think, is another one that stood out over the past. Well, so
1: Woody is definitely, some people are just not going to be into his humor, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that... It, People yeah. not into Woody the the Woody the Woody humor. If someone's like, oh, I I uh, I really don't like Woody Allen from what I've seen. Recommend a movie that would make me like him. You, I, you probably can't do it. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, yeah. Maybe this one.
2: Maybe Midnight uh, uh, in Paris because yeah. you've got Owen Wilson as like the guy guy who's kind of universal appeal. Right. I mean, Woody's appeal is probably more regional. <laughs> right you now, yeah, New York yeah. Northeast.
0: Yeah. But I think anyone who likes Seinfeld or Curb can probably not take that steep of a a, a a turn to woody allen i mean i have yeah. to think but then again is that regional too I, you know yeah well i mean seinfeld
2: obviously was popular throughout the country uh you know the, look at the numbers that they put up with their their viewership and i think that they probably broadened out the woody allen type humor uh and made it more more accessible generally yeah um, i think jason alexander in his audition for Seinfeld. Said this, this read to me exactly like a Woody Allen movie. It's so I did, a, there I did a blatant Woody Allen impression in my audition,
0: and they got it. And he well, got it, well yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. Larry Larry David ate that up. And the other one is always Sunny in Philadelphia has kind of got that, uh, that type of dialogue a little bit too.
1: I think I would, that's more of a, uh, a niche or a, a, a cult following than Seinfeld, I would say. As yes, for sure. as it, as for it's as popular as it's gotten. You know. Yeah, no,
0: there are some people who don't even recognize won't that. Won't even look at <laughs> it. They don't want to hear about it. it. The other thing that kind of stood out to me in this, too, that I just had no concept of whatsoever is that Woody Allen, since Annie Hall came out, has released a movie every year, Yeah, with the exception of 2018 and, I think, 1991. And he's had a movie a year. Mm. For essentially, forty years. I yep. mean, that's that blows my mind because I mean, I'm you reasonable. don't hear about all these movies, and some of them are more popular than others. But he's just churning out these movies, and they all have like relative celebrities in in them. Yeah. whoever it is, it is. yeah. And
2: people I think he's want to work with, with them. a lot of the same people as far as like the behind the scenes. He had a really interesting kind of deviation from I'm just going to make a movie about a character like myself for a while. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, mm. which is unimpeachably like the best. From my single days, the best date night movie uh, of all time. (laughs) That's Penelope Uh, Cruz, (laughs) right? Penelope Cruz, Scarlett Johansson, and uh, Javier Bardem. Wow. Well, he had that, like, two-movie Scarlett Johansson run. She did Scoop. That was a movie of his where she is attracted to, like, uh, Hugh Jackman, who's, like, a British lord. Um... He basically did like a couple different countries in Europe, and like just wrote a movie about those countries for a few years. Maybe he wanted to just go spend some time in Europe, and he figures, hey, I'm doing a movie every yeah. year anyway. I'll just write one
0: that takes place in Spain, so I can hang out. Yeah. Spain for a while. <laughs> That's right. a Little Not a vacation. Bad strategy. Yeah. yeah. While while we're on vacation, let's just make a, make a quick movie and then enjoy ourselves. Love That's it. That's the Sandler model. Yes. So something <laughs> That's in exactly Hawaii. right. Doing it right. This movie starts with the cold open of him doing his his shtick, his monologue here. Uh, and there's no music in either the opening or the closing credits, which I thought is interesting. The other the other Best Picture winner who touts that, too, would be No Country for Old Men. There's no score whatsoever on that A little, different, uh, a little different tone. <laughs> slightly. Slightly different here. How do you like, like, the cold open like that to start a movie? Is, it,
1: I can't say that I, oh, I like it or I don't. I liked it here. Because uh-huh. he dropped two real quick jokes that were hilarious. And it just hit the ground running with the movie. So... I don't know if I would recommend it for, for all comedies, but right. with, with him, I think it was it,
2: well. Yeah, I, I mean, it right away. It's it's interesting if like it maybe wasn't at the time something that was done very often, but it really sets the tone for kind of a constant stream of I don't want to call them gimmicky filmmaking choices, but like you know they're kind of unconventional. Like breaking the fourth wall Or uh, mm-hmm. You know Like when him and Annie Hall are Making love And like her spirit Gets up and Fantastic. walks away He's Something. got like the It's a Wonderful Life Like Ghost of Christmas Past thing Where he goes back To his childhood And they're yep. sitting there, with Standing him. in the room yep. The and, subtitles gimmick Yeah um, Like dueling therapy sessions Like they have the split screen Great uh, random people. He goes up to random people on the street to ask them what's going on in his relationship, yep. and they actually have answers. The animation section, too. Yes, two.
1: yes. Yeah, the, you, you knocked out all the...
2: The uh, cartoon
0: Snow White yeah. segment. Yep. <laughs> yeah. At the end, like the highlight reel from the movie that we've already seen. And your, Rob, I mentioned a couple times here that we did Chicago, and we, we talked about how Chicago more or less works as the musical inside Roxy's head, and that's how it plays out. I kind of view... Annie Hall in a similar way where and with them showing him talking to the camera right as they start this movie is that this whole the purpose of this whole movie is essentially his memory of their relationship yeah. and how we look back at our own relationships whatever they are however finally we you remember you kind of remember it like a highlight reel you remember the the, the yeah. funny moments you remember the the loving moments you remember the nightmare moments you remember the fights the it, it really kind of hits all the spots there with that
1: yeah I think it's it's um I don't want to say it's obvious, but it, it's, this is his story in his head. Yes. That's all this is. This is a yeah. story between Annie Hall and his head and uh, the flashbacks and the, the, the film that Rob was just talking, the way they filmed some of these scenes, uh, it's pretty clear. It might not even be accurate. Who knows? This could just, you know, who knows what really happened between them. But this is what he pictured happens. And this is how he pictured the yeah. relationship and the breakup.
0: Yeah, very cool tactics that Rob. You brought. You mentioned them all. The other one was the, the subtitles, where they're having this inane conversation about whatever, and the subtitles are saying what they're actually thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. The opening here is one of my favorite places in Coney Island. I, I just fucking love Coney Island. I think <laughs> it's it's just good vibes every time I'm there. Uh, it's obviously changed a little bit since this movie was made, but they have a a baseball stadium there now Mm, to a a concert amphitheater to and a brewery. And it's just like that cool, uh, I think we've probably all even been there together. Um, it's just a cool, especially in the summertime, you know, with the, with the roller coaster going and, and the original Nathan's hot dog, really, uh, really cool vibes there for me. What did you think of that, that little house they showed him growing up on and built inside the roller coaster there? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you can completely understand how someone would come out of that with the
2: <laughs> nervous, jumpy, anxious uh, personality that Ulyan has—unbelievable! <laughs> you know, it just,
0: just so good. And now that was actually a hotel—the uh, the house there built into oh, okay. uh, I was into the Thunderbolt. That was Bolt a visual effect
2: for a while. Because I'm like, why on earth would there be a house underneath the roller coaster? But that's probably it's not, not that <laughs> crowded down there, really. Like, you don't really need a house. It was
0: the, the Kensington Hotel, and it was located underneath the Thunderbolt roller coaster. None of it is still uh, existing. Uh, they were demolished in 2000, but. Uh, yeah, really, really great stuff. I,
1: it's probably exaggerated, though, right? They're showing. I don't it think outwards. it shakes the way yeah. that yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> it right. like is. Every two seconds, the whole place is coming down on top of them. You know, I'm, I'm assuming in real life it kind of like shook. You know? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 Twice I,
0: I, <laughs> I highly doubt the boards were like, like, sh- like bending and shaking as he's trying to sleep there. It does, though, remind me.
2: Maybe, I don't know if the Kensington Hotel was trying to go for some kind of vibe like you are in the roller coaster, (laughs) if it was like an attraction. There is a hotel in Miami that advertises like one of their rooms is called the Rock and Roll Suite. And it's really because it's next to the giant speakers in their club. And so basically (laughs) you're going to be listening to booming music until 6am every night.
1: Marketing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's
0: that's, (laughs) that's what marketing gives you. This terrible property value quirk. Let's just uh, make something nostalgic about it. Probably worked. (laughs) Probably worked that classroom scene too. Robbie mentioned that a little bit. Him going back in, into the past. The famous line out of this one is the "I'm into leather." Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, think, I think that's the first big laugh of the movie. You know, right. the, kids, yeah, the, the little kids saying that where they are now in life, and a few of them are business owners. One little kid who's like the cutest uh, ever is saying that he was he was he used to be a heroin addict. You know, he's a methadone addict. And some <laughs> nerdy looking girl that just says, "I'm really into leather."
1: I'm into leather. <laughs> and I, what's funny, I I think that that scene is kind of relatable in a way because everyone kind of remembers like everyone who was in their like fourth grade class right yeah. you, can, mm-hmm. you can kind of pull like first name and last name yeah not that you know where where they all are now but you could do if you go to your memory first name last name and then piece together a story for them there
2: definitely have been some folks that we went to school with or that i went to school with when i was younger in elementary school where you hear where they
0: are now and you're like really okay <laughs> <laughs> I think you get that on both ends of the stick, though. Yeah, like absolutely. The, the high end and the low yeah, end there. Doing yeah. well or not doing so well. I love the scene with the Doctor. The universe is expanding. Yeah. What is that your business? Yeah. <laughs> what is that your business? Brooklyn isn't expanding. Right that's
2: and right how little effort the doctor puts into it's not
1: gonna happen for a long long time <laughs> Alvy. don't you worry yeah you know within five minutes of this movie you know that uh Alvy is like completely neurotic and screwed up and you kind of see why like they did it right, yeah. uh, immediately you know they come in hit the ground running here's why he, here he is here's who he is here's why and it's, it's effective yeah but, like, it starts
2: it, another theme of the movie which is his obsession with therapy and I mean that's kind of a Woody Allen theme, just generally speaking. There's there's just so many references to therapy yeah, over and over
1: again. Analysts. Yeah, right? yeah it's People really
0: analysts. yeah right. It's really built into the the fabric of the movie. Right away, yeah. he's seeing a professional, and he has to talk about the universe expanding and him <laughs> not being able to. <laughs> and <laughs> to he's to probably handle. like
2: eight years old, yeah, you know, however old yeah. he is. I think later in the movie, uh, Annie Hall asks him how long
0: you've been in therapy, and he says he says, "Oh, only 15 years." <laughs> Right, right. He mentions him having a trouble with fantasy and reality and uh, and differentiating between the two. And I think that's, uh, as we already talked about him, kind of recalling his life through this movie, that becomes a big theme within here too is as you're remembering a relationship or as you're remembering moments that you've had with a significant other how much of it is reality and how much of it is fantasy how much of it is a snow white animated cartoon and how much of it is is really what happens and they just do a a really nice job through all the tactics they use in this movie of, of of kind of signifying how we remember our relationships whether they're romantic relationships or relationships that we have with family members or old friends how they stay in our heads and how we process them in the present yeah and i think that sets up a lot of the you know the choices that they've made that we've already discussed
2: like using cartoon versions of people and the gimmicky choices you know setting the scene with i have different you know trouble with fantasy and reality i think that sets sets up for for using those uh, those kind of Quirky conventions.
1: Right, it's his. It's just all his perspective, yep. and that's what allows them to use those conventions. Is yep. because we know it's it's all his. Uh, it's all his perspective.
0: We're gonna meet Tony Roberts, his co-pilot in this movie, more or less. Tony Roberts again was his, was a friend of his in in real life, and they call each other Max back and forth. And it's apparently <laughs> they <laughs> did that in real life, you know, because he didn't want people to refer to him as Woody and have people, oh, that's
1: Woody Allen, that's he right, Allen. So it was right, just kind of like a yeah. When code I first name. saw this, I, I had so much trouble understanding like where this was coming from, the Max and Max. I was like, why is he calling him Max? Who's this right. guy? Yeah. I couldn't figure it out what they were what they were doing.
0: Yeah, I would have killed him to explain that to the audience so we could try to figure out what the, <laughs> what the hell is going on here. So I was, in the beginning of the movie,
2: loving the Tony Roberts character uh, just as a contrast. He's so, like, chill, cool, calm and collected, doesn't think too deeply about things, compared to Alvi that overanalyzes every single thing in his life, and it was just so refreshing to not have to listen to Woody for a second, <laughs> <laughs> Some of course, it should be said, and you know, I guess it's disclaimer number two time, uh, that character, of course, has a fall from grace, referring to a threesome that he was having with a couple of 16 year olds later in the movie which you know Oops. Is, yeah. is of course extremely problematic
1: it's he's a little creepy
2: <laughs> towards the end of the movie he's portrayed as more and more of a distasteful character like going out to LA and like Alvy hates LA and then he shows him in like um, a sound room adding fake laughter to a TV show that he recorded he starts out as a really I thought a fun contrast but then slowly becomes more and more of a dick and kind of a
0: kind of a piece of shit that uh that you don't like towards the end yeah and they introduce him through that very cool long shot where you hear woody allen talking and you're just looking at a sidewalk and he's telling him the story of him going into the nbc studios and as the story goes on they get closer and closer until they're in view of the camera and then the camera moves with them as they walk down the the sidewalk here and I I really liked the camera work in this a lot the whole movie I thought there were a lot of unique tactics and it was just it was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher for me that it didn't get a, a nod for cinematography I guess because it's
1: not like overtly impressive but it's so perfect like with what it's trying to do you know it's, it's perfect for the type of movie it is
0: yeah yeah, and I was wondering if maybe it was just kind of a, a, a no-name cinematographer or it was just they looked at this 90-minute New York f- comedy and, you know, cinematography wasn't the focus in it. But I mean, when you watch this movie, it is real sharp and really well-made. And I, I had to look up the cinematographer just to be, you know, saying, oh, maybe it was just someone who was a little under the radar. But no, it was Gordon Willis who um, directed uh, The Godfather <laughs> and The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> and and the godfather part 3 you know and uh, all the president's men you know so it, it interesting. with all the president's men the two godfathers and Annie hall he's directed 4 of the 100 movies on the AFI top 100 movies so like so sure, he's a cinematographer for them cinematographer right. yeah interesting so it's it's to me, it's just a complete oversight that this doesn't get recognized oh, yeah. there. Interesting. And the other interesting thing to me, too, was the film editing. It does not get a film editing nominee, and that's significant because, essentially, if you win Best Picture, you're also nominated for film editing. This is how it works. The, the last one, until Birdman in 2014, was Ordinary People in 1980, and before that was Annie Hall. So, since Annie Hall came out, only three Best Picture winners were not nominated for editing. And this is a movie where they took... This was supposed to be like a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And they took out basically half the movie. Yeah. And a lot of unique cuts and, and interesting tactics. I thought the film editing was, again, yeah, it was really good it, it really moves nicely. It really moves The case is great yeah. in this movie.
2: Yeah.
0: Birdman didn't get nominated for Best Film Editing? It did not get nominated it's for Best like Film innovative, Editing. In the like one of the most innovative editing jobs... I know last, I know like and years. and 1917 didn't either so if that had huh. one best picture that would have joined that that short list. I think what we think what we were, we talked about this a little in the in the Birdman episode Oz that you were on. Maybe the lack of cuts, the whole like long take for the whole movie that makes them not want to give no. it for editing. Well, that that
2: that makes it harder like the editing that you need to do to make it seem like there are no cuts yeah. like, is harder than editing like, you know, hard cuts. I would yeah. imagine. I don't know, I'm not a cinematographer right. but like you know, they maybe. certainly didn't shoot *Birdman* in one take. So, yeah. so there's <laughs> right. some unbelievable. Got it done in a day. Yeah. yeah, or maybe if they just use CGI for something like that, I don't know. Who knows?
1: Maybe on this one, they just felt this is hey, this is a vehicle for Woody Allen. A nominations for every award—it's enough. You know, that could have been the yeah. opinion of the of the committee as well. In talking
0: about uh, long takes, Rob, there's that there's a few in this movie that are that are to me super impressive with the density of the dialogue that they're asking the actors to do. So. And and we talked about that a little bit in Birdman also In running those long takes and having to just be on beat That movie theater scene, the the scene in line for the movie theater Is oh, yeah. just a, the best example of that in this movie Where he, the timing that he's using along with the guy behind him in line Who's talking about, he's doing his own movie podcast back there yeah. While well, Woody Allen's trying to wait in line right. And, and his, his girlfriend is fighting with him at the same time and he's having a tough tough time really just keeping his patience. Just a super super brilliant take for me. You mean just having everyone do, do that performance in the one whole take scene, and the yeah, that whole and long like take that, bringing
2: and... the other director out? Yeah. That scene reminds me the most of Kirby Enthusiasm where it's Woody Allen having a fantasy about how he could solve this thing that annoys him in his real life even though you could never do that in real life. You can never just right. have some award-winning director to pull them out to shut someone else's opinion down, but like if you would like that then Curb Your Enthusiasm is right up the, your, your alley Because that's basically what Larry David's doing He's
0: calling he's everyone out calling for their bullshit th- What he yep. would never do in real life But he's doing it on the show and you got that scene spoofed in Family Guy, uh, too, where that's, I think he has George W. Bush is giving a speech, and he pulls out Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ goes, You know nothing of my work. Uh, <laughs> and then Peter looks at the screen and goes, Imagine this was real life. <laughs> the other Family Guy, thing think, too, is there's this stewy people-watching thing. you got that famous people-watching scene oh, uh, right, later yeah. on. We meet Annie Hall in the, in the streets of New York. I love the whole cast of The Godfather line. It's so smart, and there's such a wink at yeah. the audience, being that Diane Keaton is... Is in the Godfather and and that whole thing I love love that I think one of the uh, Italian guys he was talking to was an extra on the Godfather too so he actually was part of the <laughs> cast of the Godfather. I it's,
1: it's almost part of like the fourth wall breaking thing that they yeah. keep doing. Yeah. yeah,
0: great great stuff. It's for my uh, the autograph. for my girlfriend. It's for my girlfriend. Make it out to Ralph. He's like your girlfriend's name is Ralph. It's for my brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just head scratching time. You guys from <laughs> Right, <laughs> right.
1: That scene is, uh, that that's almost a make or break mo- point of the movie, I think, because we've already established how nuts Woody Allen is and all his one-liners and his, uh, his mental issues more or less. If Diane Keaton doesn't come in and is able to match him, this is a tough story to tell. But she comes in and right away is able to... High energy, be, yeah. Really able to give it back to him. Right. You know, yeah. like have that, you know, very much at least hold her own with, mm-hmm. with Woody, which, um, very impressive You
2: buy their relationship Right yeah, off the bat like, Yeah,
1: immediately you know, Like, look at these two people They're they're able They're on equal ground mm-hmm. you know, And that, that drives the story
0: Yeah, for sure And I mean, I think this is As good a time as any To talk about uh, Diane Keaton And this performance uh, wins, wins Best Actress here for this one, uh, what what are your your initial takes here on on Keaton's performance?
1: I, she's incredible in this. It doesn't. It, I could not picture a better performance standing next to Woody in this in this role. Um, th- she plays it perfectly.
2: I think that this also ties into kind of the anti-hero, anti-best picture um, theme that we talked about before, where Diane Keaton is not like the typical ingenue in a rom-com that's centered around the main male character they're not making her likable like just through her looks or just being like dainty giggling type female ingenue that you get in a lot of movies where the, there's a, a central male lead character um they do they basically her charm comes across in her personality and her intelligence like her vulnerability um and you know her wardrobe speaks to that like she's She's basically dressed the same as Woody Allen the entire movie, and I don't want to spoil this we talk about the wardrobe later, but, you know, it's clearly focusing the audience on um, just, like, her character and her quirkiness versus just trying to win the audience over
1: with her looks. Well said, yeah. it's it, movie, This movie... Likely fails if it's just quirky Woody Allen going against a uh, typical, you know, what yeah. you would think is the the center of a rom com. Right. You know, it, it probably falls flat on its face. But here you have the quirky guy, but then you also have the the, the quirky counter yeah. to be able to, to hang and really go toe to toe with the yeah. guy.
2: You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it if it was him talking a mile a minute about all of his insecurities and then just kind of a deer in headlights in, in the scene with him.
1: Correct, or even laughing at him or right. just not giving it back to yeah. him. <laughs>
2: Margot Robbie in The Wolf of Wall Street would not have been a good <laughs> counter to this because, well, you know, you wouldn't buy those two together anyway. <laughs> right, right. And and
0: you do, the, the movie does do a good job of as we progress through the running time, her character becoming more confident and becoming even prettier as the movie goes on and as their relationship Fades, her individuality and her personal presence kind of starts to blossom yeah. um, and I think that that go, goes into more of the whole Woody Allen self-deprecation his attachment to her is holding her back mm-hmm. and you know she takes the adult adult education classes and meets the professor and starts yeah. uh, starts blossoming into the into the world so she
2: completely surpasses him in the course of the movie you know when they meet, She's almost afraid to talk to him, and she's like, "Oh God, I said that. What a stupid thing to say." And she like ha- she's trying to become a singer, but she hasn't even sung yet. Meanwhile, he's on Johnny Carson already; like he's a established celebrity, famous person. And then by the end of the movie, she's in L.A., completely confident, not worried about all these um, personal emotional issues that Woody's still suffering from. And she has a career going. She's going to the Grammys with Paul Simon, um, who's playing someone right. else. He's not actually playing Paul Simon. <laughs> so as far as like personal development that character totally grows up in the course of the movie and Woody's character stays the same which is really interesting because normally if you're writing script it's like how does the person change over time and what did they learn but really the main
0: character didn't change right the person that they were with changed she wins the best the best actress award for this and i mean i think it's it's warranted for what she did in this but i think she was also we talked about this with Dreyfus, but she was also in another movie that year, uh, *Looking for Mr. Goodbar*. Have you don't, guys heard of that no. one? No. Uh, apparently, it's a very dark subject material. I don't know what it's about. I know much about it, but I think many people attribute that performance and this performance as kind of like a combined award. More or less, mm. they didn't want to recognize her for the the darker movie, but I think that her merits within this movie alone are enough to uh, to reward her here. I think it's great
1: from what I've seen in other Best Picture movies. It, this is a standout performance Maybe not compared I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable enough Of the movies that year But just some other best picture movies um, With other great performances It's a, the, She deserves it
0: Yeah you know. Yeah I agree And uh, I mentioned That we're going to be doing The Godfather next week A big Project to tackle for Big BBC. Yeah, that's for the best That's
1: <laughs> the turning point.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the elephant in the room. So we will be doing that. We will be having three three regulars in the mix. Grant yeah. Grant C, RDB, and Joey R will be in in the mix for that one. But I think that Diane Keaton's presence in The Godfather is super underrated.
1: There's just a lot. It's going to be underrated because it's oh, going to be overlooked. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, overlooked. Overlooked because of everything else that's going on.
0: But she's You know uh, When you think of Diane Keaton Do you go first to Annie Hall Or do you go to The Godfather Or do you think of her Like later stuff
2: Oddly I think of her In Something's Gotta Give Right yeah. Which I yep. think she was nominated For Best Actress But uh, that was yeah. the, It's
1: a funny movie Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack far, Nicholson Right the Nicholson and Keaton Is that right Yeah Jack Nicholson yeah. And
2: that Keanu Reeves is in Keanu it as Keanu Reeves well. yeah She's, she's dating like, de- Keanu yeah. Reeves
1: as the doctor um, Yeah.
2: So I think that That sticks out Just because she Has the most Prominent You know She's the star of that movie versus this where she's, you know, the female lead but she's not
0: the main focus. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't go to The Godfather with her immediately. That's mm-hmm. not that's not what I think about from her.
0: Yeah, I mean the first wives club always kinda of sticks out <laughs> to me just because yeah. that I don't know that was a movie that was around when I was growing up and first getting into movies and that's kinda of right. my first introduction to her just in seeing that. That's kinda of like a like a buddy A buddy flick, and an older female buddy flick. I wanted to call attention to the lobster scene, because I think that's kind of one of the scenes that probably stands out the most to me in this movie, uh, looking back at it and and watching it. Just a great example of remembering the good times in an Mm -hmm. old relationship, and and this one highlights it, whether it's through the the camera and her taking the pictures with the lobster, him, it's gonna crawl behind the fridge, get it, before it goes behind (laughs) the fridge. Um, just, just great stuff. I, why they need six lobsters for dinner? I'm not totally certain. <laughs> sure. It's quite a feast. And then right. It
1: happened again later with a future. Girlfriend. Yeah, right. Oh, I love that <laughs> they, too. I love the, were, like, and the lobsters. Are, he's yeah. got a bunch of lobsters again. Like, what's the? What's his? Uh, he what's just his likes slaughtering here?
0: lobsters, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a weird date idea. They come over with eight lobsters and let's boil them. I don't
2: know. That scene made me a little envious of the 70s. I guess when the Hamptons wasn't as populated and overpriced as it is now, because yeah. that was such a casual Hamptons trip. Mm. They just, they're like, "Oh yeah, let's just go out this weekend," and they went out. Like now, it's just such a production. I guess. I mean, I guess if he's a successful showbiz guy, then maybe he has a house out there. But
1: to get from Brooklyn to the Hamptons over the summer now, it's it's yeah. like you it like over, five hours. Overpopulated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no.
0: Do you think that the Seinfeld Hamptons episode is playing a little homage to this? Maybe yeah. you're using the same locations. You have the lobster as the kind of central, you know, the <laughs> Kramer stealing the lobster trap. Well, I mean, it's such a New York thing, you know. In yeah. The summer, if you're especially if you're uh, successful,
2: you know, go out to the Hamptons.
0: The camera is a nice touch in this. Her taking the pictures of him holding the lobsters, and later in the movie when you see them on her wall in her apartment, you see the pictures of him holding the lobsters. Mm. It's no, to that's me that's when they're like they're in that honeymoon phase, right. you know, when yeah. you're together and you're just everything's fun, everything's funny. The lobsters are are bouncing right. around and it's just we're just having okay. a great time definitely. with it definitely yeah that first time you do a weekend away together right that's, yeah. that's what I read it as okay All right. yeah and and Ozzy brought up that scene later on with the other girl from the lobster and she's just yeah. not smiling not and there's just <laughs> no chemistry whatsoever she's, she doesn't yeah. get
1: Woody yeah yeah,
0: yeah great she's
1: just, she's just one of those she's a not a Woody person great it happens stuff. it happens I liked um, when they go they do the quick flashbacks to uh, to old romances when yes. they're trying to predict yeah. and his idea of Annie's first romances are really funny cuz he's picturing like the stud, you know, like right. oh of course who was who is your ex for your, your your first lover? Who is this guy? And he like pictures in his head like completely not what it was, which just shows how yeah. down on himself he is. He pictures the opposite of himself with yeah. his the love of his oh, life yeah. in the past. <laughs> yeah,
0: his inadequacy is <laughs> yeah. all coming out.
1: They're watching
0: that's another tactic, too. We're watching themselves in the past right. and commenting uh, on it. That's yeah, great. Obviously, he meets her there in that tennis the te- tennis Max. scene. With Max.
1: Max and
0: Max. Right. Max and Max. Girls. <laughs> Playing tennis. I don't know why, but I just would not be that intimidated by Woody Allen on a tennis court. I mean, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a tennis Rob, you're, you play some tennis, right? We used to play a lot, yeah. Not so much uh, yeah, he, lately, but... He does yeah. not look like he's going to make me... I'm not a, really no. a tennis
1: player. I think I could pick up a racket and take Woody out. That might I be like he, a, I think you could. You might beat him like six one six 6'1". 6-1 I, don't know, I don't
2: know. You know, he's kind of a... He's kind of a... In, you know, in this movie, he's he's trim. You know? Wiry. Wiry. He might be kind of quick. He might be tough to get the ball by him. <laughs> now, he's he not, he's been... not hitting 100
0: mile per hour. Per
2: hour so <laughs> yeah, he's that's not, that's not leaning on yeah, his he's ace. He's not a power player. He's
0: maybe he, like a David Ferrer. He has the the match point, the tennis movie. So I'm guessing he's yeah. gotta be a big tennis fan. So maybe he yeah. would maybe he'd blow me out of the water I wouldn't even know it. you know you're well, going I think there.
2: Like, you know, that's that's one of the things, especially back in the seventies and eighties, where that's kind of one of the ways you worked out as a New Yorker, if you never left Manhattan right playing squash, playing tennis. Yeah.
1: He he, he likes basketball obviously too because he yeah. specifically mentions the Knicks in this movie watching the Knicks mm-hmm. and talking about the Knicks like he's because he ditches his one of his ex-wives at one of the the big parties to go watch the Knicks in a bedroom yeah so he's got that too which is interesting
0: and, and one of the we, you know, I mentioned this being a two and a half hour movie originally and one of the scenes they edited out was it was a scene from Madison Square Garden with the Knicks Playing against, I guess, five uh, philosophers or, or something like that, and like there's a scene of them <laughs> doing brilliant. that, and him to, it's great, and that it got edited out of the movie. I think that that's a great concept because I would personally love to edit the New York Knicks out of my entire life, um, just just erase them from my memory, because they've caused me enough, enough strife over the years. Um, Oz, as you're a big Bulls fan, yeah, so yeah. you don't, you know, I'll you
1: explain that on a different podcast. <laughs> That's right. You've had well, you've does, had enough success. He does, he does say though. in that scene
0: that he uh, he was
2: like you know the Knicks were up uh, fourteen two minutes ago and now they're only up two. So yeah, yeah, I think he's frustrated with the Knicks as well.
1: At the tennis scene when they first meet, he can't even help himself. in. he just meets this girl that he is some somewhat interested at least right off the bat, and he he talks about how he never showers in public because you never know what's going to happen. He says like <laughs> who says that on an opening? <laughs> opening I never shower in public because I never know what's going to happen. That's what you say. Uh, what what exactly or, is going to happen? You
0: know? The scenes of her in the car driving the the Volkswagen, I guess it is convertible VW. Love how they're shot. Love the the shaky cam and the you, you kind of get that uncomfortable, like ooh, this person isn't good yeah. at driving. We've all been in the car with someone who just does not know how to drive. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of emphasis on driving and the really the inability to yeah, do so. Neither of them can drive, and I think it really just shows their lack of direction as as yeah. people. While she stinks at driving, she's better than him, so she's going to do it. And then in the end of the movie, when he has to drive to her, you see how big of a disaster that turns yeah. into. That's also in the theme
2: of just being a native New Yorker for Woody. Like, a lot of people live here their whole lives and don't have cars to live in Manhattan. Yeah. And also the thought that she could have a car in the city as a person who can barely afford her $400 a month apartment is also ludicrous in today's day and age. Back in the 70s, I'm sure it was totally possible. Yeah. But like now the thought of, of uh, forget it. someone who's barely getting by having a car in the city just doesn't work. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's one of the things I think that's fascinating about to see, that to see the New York in the 70s and just how, how the population and the overcrowding and, and like how things have gotten so much more expensive affects people's lifestyle.
0: Yeah, like that. yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, you can't even take your car into the city for a weekend now. I oh, mean, it's, about, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous with, with parking garages and all that. The but city uh, is
1: almost its own character in these movies. Like oh, the 100%. Is, and this is, is no different. It changes...
0: Yeah, Spike Lee does a great job of that. Yes, uh, yeah. in his movies too, and making New York a character in the movie. And when it comes to New York movies, I tend to grade them a little harder than some, just because I, I think that authenticity is important. And in this movie, that's Aces. Another one is to do the right thing. Is another one where mm-hmm. Just the city is it's is is, right. is, is yeah. breathing in the movie, and it's a fan. I mean, anyone who's spent who's spent a, a, a hot summer day. In the city,
1: can can commiserate with that, <laughs> with that whole movie and how it's approached. The loyal uh, BPC listeners will know that I recommended Twenty Fifth Hour on the Birdman episode. Well, That's right. A, That's a past a past which recommend, a, which is a definitely a Manhattan as a character, Spike Lee situation.
0: Yeah, and uh, another one is, uh, and I, I mentioned it in the in the lead in a little bit here, Summer Sam. Yes. Another great New York movie, and uh, I think an under an underrated Spike Lee joint that i've always appreciated and and another mirror sorvino flick as well i might, I might add <laughs> you get it Have go to. watch yourself some mirror sorvino absolutely get it out of your system yeah i know
1: right in the middle of the movie important part is the uh when he meets her family i think we got to talk about oh, her yeah. meeting the family yep. for, yeah. for a few, di- few different reasons and uh Again, it's his perception. He, you see, he he's sitting there, and then Grandma Hall, who she's mentioned. Oh, Grandma. Grammy you know, she, Hall. She's, yeah. she's mentioned that Grammy Hall H Jews. Yeah, you know? I'm <laughs> su- they,
0: they tease Grammy Hall. Like you get lead in, I'm ex- I'm expecting like, you know, like this this monster. You know, this <laughs> this nice little old lady. You know, and, just and, glaring in well, his <laughs> head. She didn't,
2: she didn't seem too nice from his perspective. Yeah. No, glaring like, no. across the Rick.
0: table at him. I know he
2: like the contrast between their families. You know, you. Have, he said, I think he said about them, like they're, they're middle America, they look like they're known they never even get sick. And then they cut to his family, this crowded little apartment in Brooklyn, people you know, whining about, you know, I
0: can't do this because I'm a diabetic, or he had his fifth coronary. It's a complete contradiction. Very cool split screen tactic there as well. And this movie throws all the tricks at you. This is yeah. like the proverbial junk ball pitcher movie, where it's, it's giving you everything it has. And uh, and I love that split screen, seeing the the difference between the two families and where the two of them came from, and just another barrier in their relationship. There's just they're kind of leading separate paths while while mm-hmm. trying to navigate their. Well, way from the his, I mean,
1: from his perspective, anyway. Who knows? Like that. Yeah, might not and, be accurate. And they go what back happened.
0: to that split screen later on in the movie with the the therapy sessions, which uh, apparently was filmed simultaneously. Like it was there. There was actually a. Yeah. a, a a wall in between the two scenes, and they, you know, they ah, had, they went action, and boom, both of them d- did the scene at the same time. One of my favorite moments of the movie is: is uh, how often do you have sex? Oh, oh, barely ever, like three times a week. <laughs> how often do you have sex? Oh my god, all the time. It's like nonstop, <laughs> like three times a week. It's just amazing, <laughs> the a, dueling, amazing uh, The dueling
1: analyst session. Oh, it's great. That, um... yeah,
0: just an amazing example of perception versus <laughs> reality in a relationship and. And how, how one number can be so different for, yeah. for either side of the, of, of the wheel.
2: You know, Woody's character in the movie writes a play towards the end of the film. And there's a lot of elements of, like, stagecraft in this movie. So, like you just said, the, those two scenes being shot actually next to each other. And, like, the timing of the characters um, reading that dialogue and then pausing for the other one. You know, you, you can see when Diane Keaton's talking, they don't go off of Woody that uh, he's still in the, in the camera waiting. And then, if you look at the scene we mentioned earlier in the movie theater, mm-hmm. where there's just five minutes of dialogue and it's one take, there's a lot of uh, the, the type of, I'm, I'm guessing, rehearsing and the type of acting and, and blocking that you would have to do if you were doing a play.
0: Yeah, yeah, just, just
2: impeccable timing. And and nature, yeah, because
1: yeah, it's just it's conversational in yeah. one spot. Yeah.
2: yeah. There's no
0: action sequences, <laughs> just people talking in rooms. We, we talked about meeting the halls, and yeah. uh, we did not mention. We must. The brother, though. Yeah, this is uh, it's yes, time. it is time. Christopher Walken comes in here in this one, and wow, yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> <laughs> what an introduction! Comes off the
1: bench. Oh, this like is, four threes. Oh yeah, this is back to the bench. This, this is, this is
0: like when when you're you're building your postseason roster, and you have like a uh, like a hot star prospect in the minors whose arm is just too good to leave off the roster. And he's mostly just sitting in the bullpen, but it's time to bring him in the game, and he just strikes out the side in the ninth to clinch game six you know, and
2: shows what he's going to become here. I don't think I really became a, a, like aware of Walken's work until the Cowbell sketch, pretty much, and right. then watched a bunch of his stuff after that. And in the, the, the Walken renaissance, you know, probably in the 2010s and maybe 2000s, he was kind of hamming up his weirdness in a lot of movies, but you didn't care because it was just so enjoyable to watch. I'm like, I didn't realize that he was that weird for his his entire career. Like, how'd this guy ever become a movie star? It's like being so disconcerting just to listen to him talk. It's the most
1: walk-in performance.
0: (laughs) It is fucking fantastic. I mean, just his look, the whole like bizarre nature of the content that he's saying. (laughs) And uh, I just, sometimes I just, I just see the headlights of the cars coming at me. And I just think about
1: what if I just, if I just drove right into him. He's another guy that can't drive. Like, this, is another, this, is this is a, a movie about who can't drive. Yeah. But the it's best
0: like, option. The best <laughs> option to take them to the airport. Uh, also, going kind of going right from that l- very brief monologue to him driving and Woody yeah. Allen like, looking at him like, oh my God, is he going to drive? All the, they're traffic? all in the front seat. Amazing, for some amazing stuff. My, uh, I think my, fir- well, my first introduction to Walk In is, ba- is Batman, and that would be our Batman reference. Okay. Uh, him playing Max in Batman Returns. So I think he's always been weird. <laughs> For yeah. me But the, with the The first time Where I kind of knew What Christopher Walken was Was also SNL But the, uh, a little A little further back He played the um, The trivial psychic Did you ever see that <laughs> skit? Ted yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. you know, you, you're gonna You're gonna go down your driveway And you're gonna forget your lunch Tomorrow uh, Tune the <laughs> sandwich And you, you're gonna leave it on the counter And it's It's gonna get so stinky And
1: you're gonna come back And, and you, your whole kitchen's gonna stink you're Like is, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one I really remember from him is is from Christopher Walken is uh, Pulp Fiction, and it's almost uh, the, it's amazing, almost amazing the exact same kind of scene. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the subject matter is a lot different, but he comes in and talks yeah. about the watch for a few minutes in a really bizarre right. dialogue, and that's it. See if, you later if you were making a movie and had to take any actor
0: to come in and just do one quick monologue. Is there a better choice than, than Christopher Walken? No. Like no, that, I mean, it's... and this this, and Pulp Fiction are two clear examples. Steals the thunder. I also do love the one Jeff Goldblum line in, <laughs> yes. it, in it, too, with the, I forgot my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another perfect guy to come in and say, yeah. it, to say four words and just move on. That's the off-the-bench bench heat check for me. <laughs>
2: uh, four words and just killed it, because it works so well with the vibe of that scene, too. How they were making fun of Los Angeles's, like, kind of ditzy, um, you know,
0: woo woo type culture, and then have so- someone call and say, I forgot my mantra. <laughs> That's- Just great cameos in this one. And they're not even cameos because none of these people are famous yet. They're all future stars. And uh, a bunch of them are future horror stars, too, because you have Goldblum goes on to do The Fly, uh, you have Christopher Walken goes on to do The Dead Zone. We mentioned uh, Sigourney Weaver in Alien, and you have Shelley Duvall in The Shining. There's a lot of talk of of Annie's apartment and her wanting to sell it. Alvy, not so much into that, wants, no, keep your space, like I wanna, not, just not wanting to commit here. And I love the back and forth about the, the bugs in the, in the city and the, and the $400 a month, the bad plumbing, the bugs, the bad plumbing, $400 a month. Come on, bugs are a new hot thing. There's uh, entomologies, it's really hot right now. That's so funny, <laughs>
1: I wrote that down, but that, that exact line.
0: And, right. and then just the genius payoff is, I pay $400, he
1: got bugs and
0: bad plumbing. And you know, I just quickly throw it right back at him. Yeah,
1: it shows he, he's just, he'll take the same fact. And depending on where his neurosis is, he'll use it in multiple different ways. And you
0: see the same thing with the adult learning classes and the yes. professor. You he, know. Pu- he
1: pushes her into it. They have wonderful professors. Yes.
3: But
0: these professors are creeps. Yes. And that's, <laughs> yeah, you know. As soon as she has
2: a little crush on a professor, all of a sudden it's a horrible idea. It also dates the movie four
0: hundred dollar rent in Manhattan, yeah at yeah, least. which I think is if if you take the four hundred dollars and you put it to today, I think it's in the twelve hundred dollar, which is still still in, in, yeah impossible to achieve right. for like a one bedroom
2: or whatever she has at least they didn't make it like a huge apartment, which they always do to show friends like everyone's working in a coffee shop oh, but they get, have get the hell out like of an unbelievable apartment where, at least she actually had a shitty apartment in the movie, yeah,
1: where Friends was probably. Um, or definitely inaccurate no matter what. This was likely accurate at the time. I mean, that, that probably wasn't uh, a stretch for that apartment at the time. Yeah, no, that's what dollars. I was saying. Yeah. It, it
2: dates the movie, right? You know? But yeah. you, it's impossible to avoid that.
1: Yeah, you, You're going to economically date yeah. every Manhattan movie no matter <laughs> what. There's nothing you can do, essentially. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we see their first breakup, and that's, I guess that's kind of always how things... You always have the, the soft breakup before the hard breakup, you know, the... the <laughs> The, it's like and, the
2: Seinfeld line: breaking up is like trying to push over
0: a refrigerator. You can't just do it in one push. You got to get some momentum going, rock it back and forth a few times. That's right. And this is where he's interviewing the people on the street. So what? What? Where did I go wrong? With at some point it just... and that's uh, where the woman just says, oh, "Love fades." I thought that was a cool, a cool moment. Like, I think that's where we'll get the the animation scenes, the snow. I'm always falling for the the Snow White witch. That's great stuff. A, a good time to mention that we have our animation tournament coming up. Yeah, should be excited. It's our next big tournament. Um, Snow, what, what what movies did you end up with us? I got Al- we did our draft.
1: <clears throat> yes, I got Aladdin, which I'm very okay, excited that's a, about. Okay, that's a hot seeker I there. I really, really would love to talk. I will talk about that movie forever. That's fine. And then uh, Fantasia, which probably has no chance to win. And then A Bug's Life, which has absolutely no chance to that's win. So fight, I'm, yeah. I only have a chance with Aladdin. But now,
0: both Snow White and Fantasia. Snow White is on the AFI Top 100 list, so a, a, a power seeker there. And Fantasia was on the original Top 100 list, so it is—it is a that's an esteemed movie.
1: Yeah, I don't mean that as to the quality of the movie. I just think that no
0: not not going to get it. the
2: popular vote. Yeah, yeah. Well, too uh, too bad you got Bugs Life and not Ants, which Woody <laughs> Allen started.
0: <laughs> that's right. That uh, very yeah, good callback there. Should have did
1: that. i, I I'm, I'm assuming Ants Life was available at the time. <laughs> Or Ants. Or it's ants, it's ants. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, ants, it's just I just merged Bugs' life. Ants' life.
0: The short period of being broken up, he goes on the date with Shelley Duvall. And Shelley Duvall is kind of like perfectly cast here. The whole spiel about the Alice Cooper concert, just fantastic stuff. And Had to send somebody to the hospital with bad vibes. <laughs> bad vibes. I love it. Now I, I one thing I thought of with this movie is that like, they do a pretty good job of staying away from technology in an area that's gonna date it. Like I, I don't yeah. I don't really find this movie dated at all. I mean, little things like affordability in, in New York City and stuff, but yeah. that's more historical than like being totally dated. Like, I mean I guess I guess, you know, flip phones are part of our history too. But like when you see them in movies back yeah. of course like, ooh God Like are people gonna know what that was? Mm-hmm. And this movie is... Everything that's going on is very human in this movie and not material. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's a lot
2: easier to avoid dating the the movie chronologically. Like, if you're doing this kind of New York love story where we're just walking around and talking versus, like, if this was a military or a spy
0: movie where technology is instrumental to the plot. and, And the scenes of them watching the movies, they have the Ingrid Bergman movie and you could you could easily date the movie with that so mm-hmm. you pick the wrong director pick the wrong movie it's like oh god that's like they're going to see Absolutely. that movie but um, uh, igmar bergman that's uh, seventh seal I haven't. I've, I'm ashamed to admit I've never seen one of his movies. Swedish uh, director. The other. What's the other? The, the not the Nazi movie that they go to see a couple the, times. The sorrow and the Pity. The sorrow and the Pity. Yeah, yeah. right. That yeah. bookends
1: the movie. Almost. Yes. I guess the, yeah, he, the, the uh,
0: he he claims uh, his small victory there at the yeah. end.
1: But going back to and I believe this was the scene. Correct me if I'm wrong. When he's with Shelley Duvall in bed, and it's just again going back to like this is a PG movie, and he's got lockjaw in, in the bed, like he's like holding <laughs> his jaw. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, this, that's an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting thing to put in a, 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 a PG movie, right?
0: right yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the the cocaine scene too is yes, another yeah. one that's that you yeah. know PG. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a little true. Yeah, illegal drug use and there's a
2: lot of weed smoking in this, especially in 1977. That's not like viewed as uh,
0: okay yeah. by like the you know Middle America type public. So. Yeah, I think they probably the sexual dialogue alone. We get it in R rating. Yeah, and yeah. They maybe it, I think they probably lean. If they were going for an R rating, they probably lean a little more into stuff. Top to bottom, it's a pretty perfect script. In these '92 and eventually '93, '94 movies that we'll be covering, if you want to pick one script or one or two scripts to kind of exemplify what a, a best original screenplay should look like, this is probably one of the places I, w- I will go. You know, you have the, the the great adapted screenplays that we talk about from week to week, but when you when you look at the original and just just coming up with an idea and putting it to paper, uh, this movie executes almost perfectly for me.
1: And ev- it's almost like every line in the movie is a hit. You know, like there's so many good lines. And there's no wasted motions. Yeah. And it really creates a very tight, very well-paced, which we spoke about early movie that makes it so easy to watch, so easy to appreciate because there's not anything going on that's just outside of what's important and what's entertaining. Like everything's important or and or entertaining.
2: Yeah, and going back to, once again to the anti-best picture uh, theme, the fact that this is a story of a breakup and they don't end the movie by like magically getting back together, saying I love you and getting married. That's one of my favorite things when you don't, you don't have to end the movie the way that you know every other love story ends, for it's sure. Realistic
1: it, and relatable, yeah, because that's what happens. You yeah, know, right. doesn't automatically just yeah, oh, you get back together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it
0: also knows this movie knows when not to go overboard with the comedic delivery too. Where they, some of that stuff could get old real quick if they kept hammering you over the head with it. It knows when to pull back and bring you into the the reality. As opposed to the comedy it Mo- I think that too. certainly
1: has to do A lot with the script But it also if, if that exact script Is in the hands of other actors Besides Diane Keaton and Woody Allen It might not work as well Yeah I mean it uh, Yeah it, it is the script But their delivery is just perfect Yeah, yeah. They're
0: they're taking a, a non-fiction element to it And delivering it that way Because it is There is an element of reality to it And, and it works And that could be not always deliver I mean there's a lot of times we see it where there's just uh, I mean Ron I hate it to,
4: can go bad
1: <laughs>
0: yeah they, they well, I mean there's no doubt about that <laughs> yeah. uh, and and really verbose scripts can go bad yeah. too I mean I hate to keep beating down on Sorkin but Aaron Sorkin at, at times gets a little bit too much you know and he has yeah. his hits and he has his not so hits <laughs> yeah and and yeah, yeah is what it is it uh, is did you either of you guys see Trial Chicago 7 it's gonna be up for best picture this year yeah I saw it I didn't see that that was, that was Sorkin? Sorkin, yeah. Okay. Directed, that's uh, written and, and directed.
2: Yeah, I mean, I am a little, honestly, just a little tired of that kind of dialogue at this point. Yeah. And it's almost like it's delivered the same in just about everything that he's done from West Wing to... It's know, a shtick other, at this point. Yeah, the social network to... Um, the See jobs. H- HBO... Steve dropped the HBO show. Uh, the newsroom. newsroom. The Newsroom, yeah. yeah. yeah it's funny. Just I run just, on uh, sentences and just, you know.
1: Was, was watching some of the West Wing for the first time. Popped on Netflix. And it's, yeah, a lot of it's re- really good, but there are times where I just want to be like, shut the fuck up, everybody. You know, like, <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's
0: getting their Everyone, shit in, in at all times. <laughs> like, no, right. <laughs> Well,
2: fortunately, Woody Allen and Sorkin can never work together because Woody Allen's oh, delivery gosh, has forget. got the most stilted delivery, a lot of pauses, a lot of... Uh, Clearing the throat, and right, and, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and and the last time you were you were here, Rob, uh, was for the Slumdog, the Slumdog Millionaire podcast with with old RDB. and we did a little uh, Sorkin roasting on that <laughs> on that episode too. I think so. We were talking Steve Jobs, right, 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 and right. that's a that's a unique one because you get a a very stylistic director in Danny Boyle and a very stylistic screenwriter in Aaron Sorkin, and you kind of see them playing in the same sandbox. And I like that movie. I, I do like Steve Jobs. It has its moments where it gets to be a bit much. Yeah. Um, but I think there's pretty good performances in that one. And, and it's oh, it's in that it gets stuck in that distinction that that it happens to Zodiac. It happens to where you have the two movies that come out at the same time. The Kutcher right. movie came out. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about the we Kutcher movie about. in the, the Salesies. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: the Salesy Night nominee. Sales uh, <laughs> the, that Ashton Kutcher one being the, the shitty one. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How'd you get, did you guys send out trophies? What would you do?
2: <laughs> Well the, the, the trophy for the Salesy awards is the golden briefcase. Okay.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. All right.
2: So uh yeah, the winners have received those. Um, <laughs> and uh you know we've we've really I think completed some people's careers.
0: Yes, there it's uh, yeah, the it's another career. it's another notch on the belt for these yeah. guys. You know, Alec Baldwin needed that he needed that golden suitcase.
1: So, uh... Now is a good time to jump to uh I mean we've gotta talk about Paul Simon. Right? I, I think it's, it's time, that? yeah. I mean, it's, this is about it's, it. This
2: it's time. About
4: it. I'm sorry
2: if I'm late to the party on Paul Simon, but I couldn't help but think, wow, how short is Paul Simon? He is a short man. He Woody Allen is towering over Paul Simon. In the he scenes. is a short man. Yeah,
0: 5'3", yeah, well, I think. Yeah. But obviously. Just,
1: just goes to show when you could write music like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. It doesn't
0: matter. Well, here I am shot in the darking Paul Simon's height, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I almost don't want to be right. Yeah, well, I mean, Woody Allen might, I think. 5'3", five, 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 look at that. Yeah, 5'6", 5'7". Five,
2: but like really great acting job
0: by Paul Simon. Yes, He's so I smooth. A hundred percent agree. I mean, he is great in this, and he does have some acting credits. I remember him being in, in some things, but it, he just he just owns that. I, I loved him in this. I lo- as much as I loved Goldblum and Walken. I think Simon's presence in this is that cool. Calm, creepy guy. You know, it's like it's like this. He's not doing anything wrong. He's fine. But and then like, is he really
1: creepy, or is Woody Allen the creepy one? Like right. that's the other side of it. Like they purposefully made him the uh, polar opposite of of yeah. Oh Woody yeah, Woody Allen. Alvy, come to the party. Uh, you don't want to come? That's cool. I'll see you next time. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, We'll
0: get you next time. Albie right.
1: does that. What do you mean? What do you mean? And then he's back to his, <laughs> yeah. you know, in his past. With we got that thing. We got that thing. <laughs> that thing.
0: Paul Simon. What is? What, what are our favorite uh, Simon and Garfunkel songs here? What? What? When I say Rob, when I say Simon and Garfunkel, where do you go to first? Um, Cecilia. Hell maybe? yeah! It's a great, great yeah.
2: place to start. I know you like, you know. I'm supposed to say "Bridge Over Troubled Water" or
0: whatever, but I'm a big, uh, <laughs> that's what, I, that's what I, that's where I was going. I'm a Sorry.
1: big, I'm a big me, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Fantastic!
0: Guy. Uh, I, I love I love that version of "Bridge Over Troubled Water." That Trouble Water. I can. Nice. I mean, Mrs. Robinson too is a, is a classic. Although I think I maybe like the Lemonheads version a little better. Well the, punk, the punk version, yeah. Quicker. And then if we talk uh, Simon Solo, uh, still crazy after all these years. Mm. To me, is just a didn't he do that, like, that live album from like Africa or something like that. I remember that being really like really having some some kick to it and being a fun live album uh to listen to yeah a a tremendous performer in addition to a great songwriter but unfortunately i've never seen uh, him perform live but any videos you see of him performing uh, and him and garfunkel together just just really really great stuff
1: garfunkel's voice is such a perfect kind of compliment to, to the paul simon songs You didn't mention you can call me Al. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I mean, I it was a
0: decision by me to not mention it. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. I love the little bass solo at the end. But other than that, it's just, it's a good tune. It's
1: just, it's it's not going there first. I like more
0: of the acoustic guitar storytelling.
1: I say that because I pulled up Paul Simon uh, on Spotify and just, You Can Call Me Al is the most popular. song. That's probably his most
0: popular song. Followed by me and Julio.
1: and 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Great song.
0: The New York versus California thing is for sure a big topic here. Now this is, the garbage crisis is going on right around the subject. Are they a little bit past it at this point in New York City? They refer. I think they reference it in the yeah, movie. He's, he's, yeah, you know they, the they throw their garbage away out in California.
1: See, yeah. I have trouble with the the timelines of real life with these movies. Like the year they come out versus the year they were written and filmed mm-hmm. versus the year they were given the award. Always kind of like messes up my.
0: Right, yeah, Finally. we always, we do, the, here we do the, the year the movie came out, so yeah. it's the, yeah. the winner of the year, yeah, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to when the Oscars ceremony was held. But L.A. is, like, so much more than Alvy
2: just mm-hmm. not liking the sunshine and just being a native New Yorker. It symbolizes uh, Annie Hall moving on yeah. from him, and that's everything from her, you know, going out there, and you see her at the end of the movie being way more relaxed, wearing like, white, and like, just being in a chill frame of mind, to the guy that she's with, the Paul Simon guy, you know, her getting over the nervousness and anxiety that right. she develops when she's with him. He's clearly just intimidated by the
0: whole L.A. vibe. And the doesn't the the garbage crisis play into that great where it's like, no, it's it smells nice out here. Right. It's back there is where the trash is, the clutter. And the, the, this is the line that I love when his response to, you know, them referencing the garbage. Well, they don't throw their garbage away in California. They make it into TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean, we, you mentioned the Laugh Track stuff before. And again, I, I couldn't help but thinking of Curb Your Enthusiasm versus Seinfeld and the Laugh Tracks in Seinfeld and, and Curb kind of taking the bold decision to go, no, we're just going dead silent, awkward delivery. I've been kicking around the idea of using Laugh Tracks here at BPC. I think we should start. I'm not,
1: I, you know, with the Laugh Track, once you start noticing the laugh track, it hurts. Like it really It's all does you it, hear.
0: Does it affect your viewing of Seinfeld? I mean, I feel like I don't even hear the laugh track when I watch Seinfeld. It doesn't affect my viewing of Seinfeld, but they are
2: still doing it on some new shows. I know, like, Kevin James has a new show on Netflix, and they've added a laugh track to that. That um, seems so
0: dated so and lame.
2: <laughs> Especially on Netflix, where you don't have to work in, like a, like, a studio-type framework. You're definitely not
0: shooting in front of a live audience.
2: Yeah. So like why
0: are we doing this? Maybe that will die with Tim Allen. You know when, when Tim Allen retires and stops doing things, everyone will retire the laugh track. The visit to California, we talked about the Goldblum mantra, and uh, I, I love the juxtaposition of New York and California in this movie. Yeah. And I'm ge- and I don't want to upset anyone, any of our West Coast listeners, but <laughs> I'm j- I just get a little tired of seeing every movie set in California. It's just like it, yeah. it's 85 like it. of these movies because I guess I get it. That's where the studios are, and it's easy. But, like, can you give me, like, an Arkansas movie? Like, I, I, can you give me, like, an Idaho movie? I mean, there's other states we can work with here, know. you know? seriously. It's I
1: wherever, mean... Where everybody lives, where everybody goes. I mean, it's, it's,
0: I mean, they did New Mexico with Breaking Bad, and it was a fucking hit. Let's, yeah. let's give, me, give me... Where's that Delaware movie? Like, well, that's, we got that's, the great,
2: that's the great line in Austin Powers when they're driving around. And, like, Myers says, you know, I just noticed something how the English countryside looks nothing like Southern California. (laughs) Because obviously they shot it in California. They didn't go to England to shoot it. (laughs) Fantastic. I know. I'm totally with you, though. Like, they just had, what was that movie, two years ago or something? With It was nominated for some Oscars called Nebraska or something. And I was like, oh, is this the first movie we made set in Nebraska? That we're just still calling it Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, mix it up a little bit. There, There are some Chicago movies. Chicago gets some some airtime, maybe Miami
0: a little bit. I'm sure there's people who are tired of New York movies too. Yeah, but, yeah, no, you no, know we we love it because it's our backyard, but like, I, I, I don't know, mix mix it up, mix it up. I, I'm not I'm not necessarily screaming and yelling for us to go to continental Europe for every movie either, but but give the know. Dakota
1: some love. Yeah, come on now,
2: come on now. You know, in theory, this New York versus L.A. comparison that they do in this movie at this point in time is played out because we've been doing this. Like, uh, you know, the stereotypes for 30, 40 years now. But this might have been, like, one of the first movies to jump into it. Sure. So I was, I was really digging the L.A. scenes.
0: Yeah, oh great it stuff. Worked. Now, now the, the cocaine scene, the, uh, the sneezing into, into the... Talking about how much it's worth and then sneezing into it. This was not supposed to be in the movie. It was a gag. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was a gag that they showed and apparently just the reaction to it was just so visceral. <laughs> yeah, and Just yeah. people exploding laughing. Oh,
1: that's interesting. In a ninety-minute movie, they're they're pulling scenes in. Yes, you know, yeah. The other one, the other one
0: was the highlight reel at the end that you mentioned, Rob. Okay. Um, that was a last-minute ad, and I really liked that a, yeah. a lot. I thought it was a great touch. It was the movie in a bottle. Like it's, it was. It, I know, I know. That's literally what it was. But but it was kind of the theme of the movie too. It is playing back relationships and playing back. Um, Playing back your memories and, and how it is a quick thing. And we just watched a 90 minute movie of breaking it down yeah. beat by beat. I just thought it was really nice, a nice touch, which could have gone wrong, but I think worked. It was it just to go back to the cocaine for a second, it was cool, interesting to see
2: a cocaine scene in a movie that is so low energy. Like it's just <laughs> four people, four people on a couch, like New York intellectuals talking about doing right. cocaine, versus like, oh, this is in a club in Miami yeah. or, you know, there are drug lords shooting each other or
1: something like that. And then yeah. you're getting the party, like, montage after, right, yeah, like, exactly. the all night. All oh, right, they're the sitting down yeah. on a couch yeah. like a bunch of stoners, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he says something like, oh, I don't even smoke weed. I don't do, like, hardcore hallucinogens. Yeah, right, <laughs> something right. Like, something along those lines. I actually believe
0: it. I did not really love that scene. Like, to me, that it it, it kind of played like a, a sore thumb scene for me mm-hmm. a little bit where little a little bit of the slapsticky humor yeah. of the you know it was, it was like a gag you know and where the rest of of the in this movie is really very intellectual i thought that one kind of was a little they went a little three stooges on us mm-hmm. the other thing here too is breaking up on a plane yeah. i mean is there worse form than so that like nonchalant too she just leans over and she's like
2: our relationship isn't working but, and, it, but it wasn't like it came in an argument they weren't yelling just kind of like nonchalantly mentioned it.
1: That's when they were doing in their heads to like what they were thinking. They both mm, wanted to right. break up, so yeah, that's yeah. probably why they were both ready to get out. So it wasn't even a big deal. You know? it's yeah. just
0: yes. it's just you have a couple hours of sitting next to this person going, yeah. "What what's next?" <laughs> like you help each other with a crossword puzzle. I don't like I, I don't. Actually, it's... another gag
2: that was uh, done on Seinfeld. I wonder if they were inspired by this movie. Uh, true Elaine, too. Elaine, yeah, Elaine and Putty break up on the plane. That's then the flight to India, back. right? <laughs> um, they're coming back from Oslo.
0: Um. Okay, <laughs> and it's just a that's a vegetable lasagna. Is the yeah, guy exactly. sitting next yeah. to them. <laughs> she, yeah, because because uh, Patty starts
2: flirting with some gal across the aisle after they broke up. Right, and he's <laughs> he's like, "Only I had to get on with my life." Uh, anyway, what's going on over there with you and the uh, vegetable lasagna?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking a vegetable lasagna, but he's like, "My name is Fred." <laughs>
1: This uh, guy is an idiot. He
2: doesn't mean anything to me. I can hear you. No, yeah, seriously. Wh- breaking up with four hours left to go on a flight is pretty brutal. It's brutal.
0: No, wh- where are you guys at with plane seats here? What is what is your preference? Where do you are you uh, aisle? Are you window? Well, I'll just say. In, in are you a, the... are you just a sick Or just a sick fuck who loves the middle? Where where are we at here?
2: <laughs> in the COVID era, I got to give a shout out to. Delta, who I'll be flying next week, that has eliminated all the middle seats. Hell yeah! No one's left. Wow, in middle seats love anymore, that. Love which that. is not only great from like you know a virus standpoint, but like those seats are so thin these days anyway. Like I don't know, you, like just having to be in contact with a stranger for three or four hours on a flight is so uncomfortable. So yeah. to be able to just have some space between you and the next oh, person It's a, it's a game changer. Yeah. 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 Another,
0: another it's, shout it's, out to the great state of Georgia. The Delta's the Georgia-based. Uh, oh, yeah, Georgia yeah, yeah, no. uh, I'm a JetBlue guy through and through okay. myself. So if we're plugging airlines, I can't let them not get the plug. I'm a,
1: I'm a window seat guy solely because I want to move on my own terms.
0: I'm the <laughs> same deal, man. I'm not getting up. For other people next to me, I want my head. Well, oh, you
1: are. You're going to get up. You just yeah, well, I don't want to. Yes. Right, I'm not.
0: I'm not paying to do that. If I have my choice, I'm not doing it. I'm taking the window. I like. I like leaning up against the the wall. I like to have the control over the window situation, well, like the whether up down. For down. Same
2: reason that I don't want to have to get anyone else to get up when I want to get up. What if I want to get up and use the restroom? I just get up and I don't have to talk to anyone.
1: It shows you're a nice guy and uh, a sewer selfish chance <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I'm also not one to get up once the plane once once we're taking off I'm there locked in I'm I'm not going to the bathroom I'm not getting I'm not stretching the legs I'm I'm, I'm locked into my spot. I mean
1: you've done those those cross country flights though a couple beers before a couple beers in the plane you not to, you up. Up, like, I'm you, not saying now. I've never gotten come up I'm not saying I've never
0: gotten up but now. I'm getting up <laughs> less than the average person it's not it's not a it's not a priority for me, where, uh, but Rob, you're a taller guy, so stretching out the legs is a, is a, is a thing.
2: I did take, um, I flew to Johannesburg, which is a 16-hour flight, and the guy... That's my nightmare. The guy who was... Did you break up with someone right at right, right <laughs> the first hour? Yeah. The guy who had the window seat, because on, on, you know, I had the aisle, that, that guy didn't get up the entire flight.
0: 16 hour fight What a legend Was he yeah, dead? Legend No he was <laughs> I don't know But I also I mean <laughs> now, you're, now you're not sure <laughs> So any uh, we're, we're getting to the To the uh, The breakup The Them separating the yeah. stuff Are right at the end here Yeah I love the Impeach every president button it's just fantastic. Like, oh here's your impeach, impeach Eisenhower, impeach eyes now, impeach Nixon, impeach Carter, impeach like just like every president that there was there he wants out. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> just so is how like just, <laughs> just how cynical he is he's yeah, he's just a miserable, miserable fuck. Person.
0: <laughs> Whoever's in charge, like, well, there's a system to impeach them, let's do it, please. <laughs> separating the books, you know, separating the books. It was like and... a book draft. Yeah, it yeah. was a little bit of a book yeah. draft. Well, if it's my name's on it, it's like, well, how do I know you didn't just put the names on the ones because no. you knew we were going to break up? What's, what's, what are we doing That's here?
1: That's funny to, like, when you break up with someone to, like, divvy up the stuff. That's yeah. a funny way to do it. Like, it's a very... Uh... Yeah. Every adult way to do it. Draft, have it let's have a draft. Let's, yeah, and, no, and this, you know, that.
0: Rob, you uh, teased my DVDs b- before and my physical media yeah. that I still cling on to. Um, there was a, a time period there where the DVD collection was that. It's like, well, okay, the movies, yeah. like they've kind of merged, like who's getting who's getting Shawshank? Who's getting Pulp Fiction? Who's getting Austin Powers? Like you gotta kind of figure it out. All right, we have three copies of Dumb and Dumber. I don't know who we're gonna give the third one to. It's like you have you that know? movie that you
1: don't think the other person's gonna take, but you really want it so you kind right, of hold like, off. Uh, yeah, there's a,
0: there's a tough stand up there. It's it's only a, a, a small capsule of time where that mattered, but it was a is thing. There, is there any other scenes here before we we do the, the, the final ones here that we missed that, that you wanted to call
1: out here. And just that end. I mean, the, the, the whole end point where he quickly flies. Well, quickly as far as where the, what the movie shows us. Flies out, gets in the payphone, calls her. And then um, back to the driving when he's pulling out of the parking great. lot. He does like, hits every car. Fish out of water. <laughs> hits every and, car in the parking lot.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and you know what was saying about that, showing his lack of direction. Yeah. But Rob, you said it great too. It's not, it's not just lack of, lack of direction in life. It's just... The comfortability of New York City and, and where he's living in on that yeah. island and just driving is not that important in New York City. And right. here we are in California where well, driving did, is on everybody's, you know, mind. They <laughs> did do a, a quick,
2: like, two-second, or probably even half a second flashback to the bumper cars when yes. he was crashing his yeah. rental car. Yeah. Great. And they said in the beginning of the movie, this is how I got my rage out. And then after he breaks or Annie Hall dumps him, he gets back in his rental car and then bumps into four or five cars. Yeah, so
1: it's a great catch. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's probably what they were trying to show, and then the awkwardness of him trying to even give his license to the police officer just shows his he just doesn't belong there. Yeah, he just doesn't (laughs) belong there at all. And it kind of is
0: exemplifying that he doesn't belong in Annie's life. Is really what you have there. The other side of it too is like this guy's on. He's got he's two divorces in. You know, let let her live a little bit here. You know, it's just you see him. Moving on in, in the end And I saw I, I would see Annie again That's when you get The sorrow and the pity And that's that That brief Sigourney Weaver Clip Who's oh, She, she just she towers okay. over him Yeah they show him When yeah. they're at the movie uh, At the movie theater it doesn't have a speaking line But
1: And I think um, Annie needed him To grow as well And they showed that With the singing That's what I thought About the singing Where yeah. it, her singing I think they were trying to say Her singing improved To the point But I I don't know if that came across because it sounded honestly so the singing. She sounded was going to quit for a lesson for him, but but towards the end, it sounds like she's maybe singing more confidently, and he needed she needed uh, the Alvi to kind of make those steps. Yeah, in, in and I'm really
0: life. happy you brought that up because I didn't want to miss that. I've been super critical on this podcast and just walking around the streets of of my life about singing in movies and how it's done, lip syncing mm-hmm. versus lip syncing over someone else's track, and we have an Oscar award-winning role here where she does the actual singing in the movie. And has to do two scenes, one where she's tentative and performing for the first time, and one where she's just crushing it at the end. Both of those scenes, if you put them side by side are some of the most powerful stuff in this movie, which is, for the most part, a pretty it's light and heavy, it's heavy, and, it's heavy in complex ways, but those two scenes, and when seeing her up on stage the second time and really crushing that number, and she did her singing in this movie, and I don't know if they recorded it Stars Born style, where they actually were singing and used the audio tracks, but she's emoting, and, and there's no goofy lip syncing here, this is authentic performance, and I think that if we're going to give someone an Oscar for doing musical performances, let's make it authentic here. Yeah,
1: you that's know the, uh, that's a, that's an interesting take to compliment yeah. the singing. Yeah, no, that that's I think I think you're spot on with that for sure. Yeah,
0: I mean, if Mr. Robot's going to lip sync and steal yeah. an Oscar from Bradley Cooper, yeah, that movie you know, was fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jamie Foxx
2: did the singing when he won for Ray. Right, right. you can yeah. have someone do Freddie Mercury and not actually
0: sing. Yeah, I yeah. I, I think that's one of the. That's one of the tougher Best Actor wins for me. But it, Diane Keaton nails it here.
1: Just to bookend it with the sorrow and the pity. I like that last little, oh, I saw her with her new boyfriend. Uh, you know, They were seeing the sorrow and the pity, and I counted that as a personal triumph. That's just Amazing. an awesome like, Amazing stuff. Uh, nice little way to to, to close out his, uh, his story with uh, Miss Annie Hall. Yeah, and
0: I think anyone who's come out of a relationship or had a tough breakup, you know, there's always that wonder of what was the impression that you might have left on them and what are the little little things about you that might still be a part of their life? And for him it was the sorrow and the pity. So I thought that was a cool uh, a, a cool thing for sure. And love, ending on that egg joke is just great. It's just great oh, too. Oh yeah. The, yeah, the chicken
1: the egg with yeah. the brother.
0: Yeah, and, and, and to me that just sums up the humanity of this movie too and why yeah. it works and why it's so accessible yeah. is, is, is that Every single person is going through their own little day-to-day struggle and making sense out of their life and making value out of their day-to-day interactions. And I think that's the genius of a comedian is picking the right joke that is funny, makes you smile, makes you laugh, but also makes you think and makes you feel too. And and to me, that that just nailed it on that last one. Yeah,
1: he did just the one-liners were just executed very well throughout
2: with exactly what you just said yeah it, the, he was saying that their relationships are completely irrational and crazy but
0: we keep doing them because we need the eggs that's you know that's the humanity Great. of that character finally so all around just a just a real a real classic here um i think we we all can kind of ag- agree on that one and um what what is this we have a bpc run-in uh-oh this doesn't happen oh, often wow. This doesn't happen often. But we have coming to the ring. It's Mikola from, yeah! from the Braveheart episode. Nicola, Thank you for welcome. Me. You're here. Um, that was
3: my entrance song? Yeah. That's it. Dramatic. That's that's like the that.
0: BPC run-in song. You made your debut on the Braveheart episode. Yes. It was, was a big fun. hit. How have you dealt with your fame? Uh, your recent fame? <laughs> it's been of-
3: difficult. It's been difficult. <laughs> I've had to hide in the shadows a little bit. People keep approaching me on the streets.
0: That's great. It is. It is one of our most downloaded episodes already, really? and yeah, That's one of awesome. our most popular episodes. So nothing but great feedback. Great stuff. It was, was a lot fun. of fun. It was a lot that of fun. was fun. Uh, yeah. Mikola and Danielle joined us on our. Uh, the girls take on Braveheart. Uh, episode. Oh wow! I love it that. It was great stuff. Uh, an idea that Oz, you were part of, you were instrumental in getting it going. I consider
1: and, myself the agent of that episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you are like, all right, this
0: is yeah, as much as we'd love to hear Joey R and Grant C and R D B talk about about Braveheart over and over and over again. Like, let let let's let's get a different. Perspective no, my line you.
1: was, I don't think the world needs another podcast of dudes talking about Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there
0: and there it is. But yeah, it was has there big been night.
3: any other podcast with females talking about it? That you
0: I know of in the world, in the of, history, probably at right? all. Yeah, oh. a, 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 a yeah. female panel on Braveheart. It may be out yeah. there Maybe yeah. in yeah. Scotland. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true.
1: That's
3: true. Uh,
0: but you're here, so you have a little bit of uh, Annie Hall content that you want to uh, talk about a little bit.
3: Yeah. So I actually know of Annie Hall because I was actually a fashion major in college. So mm-hmm. we were um, in one of my classes. We were um, tasked to watch it, and it's because um, actually Annie's. Uh, costume design was based on Diane Keaton's own um, way of dressing, so it was all about how Diane dressed. It was a little funky at the time. The late 1970s were about, you know, tight-fitting clothing and track suits, and then Diane Keaton came in, and she was already wearing like the loose khakis, the ties, like menswear as female, um, female or women's wear, I should say. So um she came in and she was like hey i want annie to wear this and originally the director was like i don't think so but then woody was actually wanted her to dress as she wanted it to be so oh. if you look at annie's fashion throughout the movie it's a lot of men's wears women's wear little ties um yeah the, the in. ties
0: and the vests and it's yeah, like the a Paula poundstone vibes yep. kind of going <laughs> yeah
3: tucked in plaid and it's still actually if you look at the trends now she's actually trendy like still to this day like the first scene she's wearing like a turtleneck over um, a sundress and it was super fashionable for that time and kind of unique at that time people were like what is she wearing but um it started a lot of trends so that's how i know it, it yeah they actually
2: i mean her wardrobe and woody's start to mirror each other's during when during the relationship i know the one scene in the bookstore they're almost wearing the same exact outfit i think he has wow he's got a like gray vest that has like red argyle on it and she's got a gray vest with a red scarf
3: yeah and, like, that's a good the, point the, the vest is like
2: that. this almost the same color like yeah, they, they look like kind of like
0: twins for a little while there.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's why the relationship didn't work, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, fashion in, in these movies isn't something that we've done a whole lot of talking about, unless it was like costume designs from like period yeah. pieces and whatnot. There was a little talk in our uh, American Beauty episode, we talked a little bit about the makeup uh, application. Now, the two girls, uh, in, in the beginning, the Mina Savari character is uh, wearing very little makeup. She's the very confident one. And then the Thora Birch character, Kevin, the Kevin Spacey's daughter in that, is kind of more of the goth one. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a ton of makeup. And as the movie goes on, the one girl wears more and more makeup, and the other girl wears less and less. Right. By the end, she's not wearing any. So there, mm-hmm. you see the shift in there. Uh, the, in their personalities change as the movie goes on through the makeup so
3: yeah well Annie was really like a modern woman and I think her wardrobe reflected that like 100% that she just kind of took on her own unique style and that was really modern and cool at the time
2: and Diane Dan Keaton's kept it going her whole career oh She's yeah she still dresses like that
3: absolutely yeah she does <laughs> like the slacks <laughs> <laughs> is that the first time slacks were mentioned on this podcast
0: I <laughs> think that's the, the debut of the word slacks yeah,
3: fresh pair of slacks yeah Christ slacks yeah fresh pair of slacks
0: <laughs> that's it. Well, Nicola, you graced yourselves with the run in here. Now, how with the Braveheart episode coming out and listening to it and, and checking it out, how, how was it? How was the experience of hearing yourself out there? And, and It all was that?
3: challenging. I'm not going to lie. It took me a long <laughs> time to listen to it. Um, I realized a lot that I repeat myself a lot. I think that's pretty normal. <laughs> I'm also very positive. hundred percent. Yes. Like I'm martini's. definitely. Yeah. I mean, I had three martinis. I was three martinis okay. deep at least. At least. I think I was nervous. So I had two before I even started talking and then um, I got liquidated throughout the end. Um, I don't know what happened. But, um, no, it was actually really fun As is tradition. To.
0: As is tradition. Yeah, and there right was there.
3: a lot of conversations I forgot that we had. That made me laugh. Like, it yeah. wasn't like I was embarrassed about it. I was like, I'm so happy. I wish we talked about the Oregon Trail a little bit more. In
0: <laughs> we got a good, a good, healthy amount of Oregon Trail in there. Yeah,
3: I was surprised. I was like, oh, Hunting God. an
0: Oregon Trail was a major yes. part of my childhood, you- <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know, I know. But I forgot about that. But it was really great listening to it. And Do you
1: want to recast any uh, cartoon characters before you go for any? Hall? For
3: Hall? No, I haven't thought about that. Okay. that yeah you you, you have an opportunity to
0: here. Ooh. You could smoothly do that if you want to take the. I the can Snow White.
3: recast Woody Allen
0: as like a weasel. Wow. Yeah, fun times. I had a blast recording that one. I, I think it's that it's one fun. of our most unique episodes, and I think one of our best for sure. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I know Danielle had fun too. Da- 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 uh, Danielle will be coming
1: back. We're going to hear her again.
0: West Side Story, right? West Side Story. It'll be Joey R and and Danielle tackling West Side Story. One of the movies that, if I've got to be honest is one of the ones I'm dreading to rewatch like that's really? that's yeah so we'll see I know they both are very passionate about it maybe they'll open after my eyes after recorded to some things. Braveheart,
3: I don't know I don't know where you guys were but Danielle was blasting West Side Story soundtrack yeah right oh, she's after, yeah. yeah she's
0: hyped about it yeah, so that, really that's that's gonna be fun that'll oh, be a nice season three uh and an early season three teaser so that'll that be fun one. and uh Nicola we'll have you back on for sure you Definitely. know we're not ready to say what movie just yet but, we'll, uh, but maybe just you'll kidding. just <laughs> I'm just kidding you never know <laughs> I lost enough friends I lost. Enough friends with the exclusion of the Braveheart podcast. We're not. We You're for the Godfather next week. Awesome. That's
3: good. Right. I like the Godfather. Actually. Hey, listen,
0: Diane movie. Keaton's back too. So you never know. You could run in at any time. But, okay, perfect. Well, uh, thank I appreciate you for having. It. Me thank again. you for joining us. Great stuff. Thank Amazing. thank you
3: Everyone, thank you for having
2: me. Yeah, great work. Well done, Miss <laughs> Fashion Corner. Fashion
1: Corner. Sponsored by the Gap. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, you never know what's going to happen next here in the BPC universe. That we
2: had a fashion major at our disposal, I mean, she could come on every show and do some, some fantastic commentary yeah, I love on it. the costumes. I love it.
0: So next up here, guys, we're doing our uh, our top five 21st century comedies. This is exciting. Uh, I know, Rob, you were particularly fired up about this. Um, I, was, I was, yeah, just a little hard. more anxious it, about it. It is hard, I had to yeah, say it's no to so many, so many. Right. I okay, so the way this works is we're gonna we picked our top five comedies from the 21st century so we're going the year 2000 or later and we're going to start with our fives and count down from there if someone has the movie ranked higher on the list we're going to shelve it we're going to wait till we get to that spot um, but we're also because this is so hard we we're going to do a sixth, a, a just, a, a first man out, the uh, the sixth man award, if you will. My sixth one, I wanted to get in here badly, and I could have forced it in, but I just, I couldn't justify it, because for me, the five movies I picked are so unbelievably top to bottom rewatchable, and every single scene of them, I love. And w- And if, and I could walk in to the scene of any of these five movies, and be in, and love it, and... Some of the movies that missed are ones where there's moments where I kind of like, I'm like, they drag a little bit and I'm not, You're I'm not tuning Aptown, into this. you aren't
1: <laughs> um, at, you? At,
0: I don't know yet. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. But my, uh, my sixth one out is a a holiday affair. It deserved recognition because it's pretty hard to make a holiday movie that funny and that rewatchable in a movie I could watch in the middle of July. And it is Bad Santa is my is my sixth my odd man out who just just missed. Did anyone have Bad Santa in their in their top five? I no, did, not. did not. Just such a weird concept. Like Billy Bob Thornton is playing this like comedic criminal Santa and like why am I gonna watch or care about this movie? <laughs> And it just clicks on every fucking cylinder it can Like it, The little person actor is just phenomenal And in it. who's the
1: kid? In the that? kid
0: is the fucking best man You'll see him again in Trick R Treat If you've ever seen that horror movie But just uh, the grandma Let me make you some sandwiches uh, just, uh, just fantastic stuff. It's a bizarre movie, and, and, and that's the best kind of comedy: is the it. one that you just scratch your head. Oh, I, I do need to say before I hop on is there's a little bit of a quirk to my list, and there's okay. a movie I left out for kind of specific reasons that really, at the end of the day, might actually be a top five comedy for me. But I left it out because I had to make some adjustments, and we'll, we'll get to this there. Is we your go. your show, Karen But me. that's you don't it. Have to explain so, uh, okay. Rob, odd man out for you. What was your what was your sixth movie? Out, out, looking in. Just, just to set the record for the rest of my list, I did choose to do
2: what I tried to do: comedies that fell into different types of comedies for me and,
0: and represent a bunch so of. You them. did it. Yeah, you did an inclusive representative yeah. list. And um, I will say, just before you go, is it in season three? We are going to be releasing our top ten series with okay. our, our co-hosts here, and we're going to have our co- co-hosts give their top ten movie favorite movies. Mm-hmm. But we're excluding all Best Picture winners, and we're and cool. you can only pick one movie per director. Mm-hmm. So and there's been some heat there and some controversy behind the scenes about this. But the idea is is we're trying to be conversational and we're trying to uh, talk about more movies, and if we just rattle off Tarantino movies, you know, yeah, if RDB comes on and just lists current Tarantino's filmography, that's not necessarily so interesting. And same with these best Picture winners. we're already doing a four-hour episode on The Godfather, we don't need to do another segment of The Godfather. So, I like the idea of the inclusive list that's kind of similar to what went on here. So, you're six-man, Rob. Yeah, so this would be, if this was just emotional, what I want to watch,
2: you know, when I'm in the mood for a comedy, this would be in the top five, but... Um, since I did some categories for the top five didn't make it in there because it's a lot like the number one movie Um,
0: and this is Wedding Crashers okay on your list yeah okay it's on Oz's list so we'll talk about it not on mine not on mine so Oz when we get you on yours we'll we'll get back to that
1: Oz your sixth man looking out so I attempted to do what Rob did trying to make it a little different and Mm -hmm. I just flat out failed I couldn't do it I really (laughs) couldn't do it I have you know I have one on here that, that I think will will be different than the others but unfortunately my list is just gonna you'll you'll see the thread on the list but i i step Brothers as my honorable uh mention
0: wow okay on on my list so no, that's okay. gonna come up okay good uh, on one your one list rob uh no it's not okay <laughs> all right so we'll wait we'll wait on that one so i guess we'll go with uh number fives now rob we'll go to you because yours your number six didn't didn't get uh didn't get to the stage yet. Yeah.
2: So. so number five, this is a perennially great comedic
0: genius, wow. really.
2: Um, and it, it captures one genre, uh, probably better than any other movie in that genre. And this is the mockumentary. This is Best in Show. Wow. Oz on your list? No. Not on mine. Let's go Best in Show. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you like deadpan humor, that you've got an hour and a half of it in, in Best in Show um it's it's a it's a unique comedy in that like you're not probably going to be laughing out loud uproariously that that much but everything just is has a little like such a unique sense of humor to it um so basically like if anyone hasn't seen it it's uh about i think four or five different groups of people that all have dogs that are competing in the uh westminster dog championship (laughs) or whatever best in show is and um They all have their unique quirks. There's Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara that um, are, you know, they they have a little terrier that they bring down to Philadelphia for the the show. The gay couple in New York is absolutely hilarious that have their uh, Pomeranian or whatever it is, and then the high-strung couple with their Weimaraner. And just like every single performance in the show, in the
0: movie Is absolutely hilarious Great, great. So Mike, Michael McKeon in, in, in that one too Yeah Michael yeah. McKeon Yeah he's in the, the, the New York A couple Great stuff And uh, I mean I, I'm a, I'm a big a, a Mighty Wind uh, fan Mighty <laughs> so Wind that This is Spinal Tap obviously, <laughs> Great in the Great 70s. stuff And then obviously Shits Creek With that, yeah. a lot of that crew Is in the night Very super relevant today where They just took home All the, all the golden clothes for Guest directed You know he's got A whole genre I'm you know, into himself really Fantastic. Great, great choice. Great choice. So Rob's number five is best in show. Oz, what do we got next here for number five?
1: Uh, I have Wedding Crashers. It's my number five.
0: Okay, so let's, not on my list, so let's talk Wedding Crashers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oz, you start with then we'll kick, kick it over to Rob because it was on, it was on his honorable mention too.
1: Now it's just in the peak of these guys, right? You know, these guys, I was talking about like the Vince Vaughn, and the Will Ferrell and Yeah. The, uh, the Will Lone Farrell kind of yeah. heat
0: check cameo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I
1: don't know what else to say about it. I think that's just, it's, it's, it, you know, these movies tend to be, the one thing that these comedies did and that era they tend to extend out a little long front to back it's hilarious movie this is as
2: vince vaughn as vince vaughn yeah. ever was yeah. and this is his, the this is pure uncut <laughs> vince vaughn in this movie and i think if anything's really distinct about this movie in that era is that it's a hard art
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah.
2: harder there's like the a lot point. of nudity there's a lot yep. of like aggressive Um, comedy that would probably, you know, result in all kinds of Twitter outrage these days. Yes, very, and and Um, I
0: think there's a lot of that in the 2000s in general, like, just a very vulgar social comedy. Yeah. And it seems like that has died outside of South Park. You know, (laughs) South Park's the last entity that's allowed to continue to do it for some reason. Yeah. But, and I think that's kind of a lot of reason why a lot of comedies are not so funny these days as far as movies go. I mean, I'll just, I mean, I'll speak for myself. In looking at this list, and we're covering 20 years, almost all of my movies I've even considered were between 2000 and 2010. The 2010 to 2020 just did not, there was not a lot that I even really even considered. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a lot of comedy, not all of it, but a lot of it comes from saying
2: things that you're not supposed to say. Right, and that's pretty much been dismissed from the world of comedy. Yeah, it's um, not allowed to do it anymore.
1: Wedding Crashers falls into the interesting question of: Can you make this movie today? And I I think there's going to be a few movies we're going to discuss. I don't know if you can. I don't know if they make this movie.
0: Well, ten. I don't think they make it today because these type of movies aren't being made right now. Yeah. But I yeah, think maybe yeah. 10 years from yeah, now. Yeah, you might be right. You know? yeah, so yeah. I think it will get, it's we'll not circle a hard back. Once
2: everyone gets there, rocks off.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back. <laughs> this is how it works. Like it's. I think it's a lot of these things are cyclical. and Whether they should or shouldn't, that's we'll leave that up for interpretation. I'm not making any kind of social commentary about that. I just watch, think we'll see this stuff again. We used to watch the first 20
2: minutes of Wedding Crashers to get psyched up to go out on a saturday night
1: right so why is it not on your list <laughs> no like i said if it was okay. if this was purely an emotional list it would be number two on my list yeah.
0: but i also between this
2: and stepbrothers
0: i was like how many will ferrell movies
2: can i Correct. have in my yeah. top five? well, well that's haven't.
0: part of that was part of what my little preface about having to make an exclusion that i didn't necessarily yeah. want to but have to you know kind of keep things keep things even here i will go with my number five here and this is a movie that this is the, probably the one on my list that the other four I think everybody loves and everybody thinks is funny, but this one is just one that I just personally love so much. I can watch it and re-watch it and re-watch it and just keep going with it. A Jason Siegel captained movie uh, oh. with, with the great Paul Rudd at his side, and it's I Love You, Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Love <laughs> You, Man. Yeah. Um, just whether it's Lou Ferrigno or Rush or Rashida Jones, it's just every part of this movie fucking works for me. Yeah. It's just the the concept of not having any friends and needing to assemble a, a, a it's just like it's so goofy but kind of like you could see it happening you know mm-hmm. like someone just like oh well just I don't, I'm not ready to assemble groomsmen or, yeah. or even bridesmaids or whatever it is it's like it's just it's a little it's it's a funny concept the whole Rush element of the movie of them them playing the, the the Rush cover band songs and Rush never made it into my world musically until this movie this is how I discovered Rush. <laughs> I think this I was
1: might let like,
2: them know about this band because this these guys are awesome.
1: Maybe how I discovered HBO programming too, because they're like, uh, like arguing about what you do on a Sunday night. And Paul Rudd's like, "Oh, we watch HBO." Like, it's like, have you ever seen HBO programming? You're crazy. It's amazing.
0: You have the breakup of you have the friendship breakup <laughs> yes, in this movie yes. too. Whereas, it's, uh, it's the the two guys the two guys together like, all right, and goes, "You know what, man? I'm gonna need my lost season two DVD back." Where, you know, uh, Chloe's really wants to know what's going on in that hatch, man, so I, I got to have it back. So, it's so good. Um, and Ru- Rush, I, Rush is the band where it's probably like the three greatest musicians ever to not have a song that anybody cares about. <laughs> like you have, you have yeah. Neil Park and Giddy Lee, they're just, they're just so good. And so Canadian that I just don't think anybody really had the one song that was just oh this is their Hey Jude and I mean I love Rush like uh, whether it's Limelight or or Tom Sawyer or Fly By Night I mean I just uh, X Y Z it's It's it's, just yeah I just love them I love them but I totally get why anyone could be like Rush um, I'm sure I'd know them if I heard them and then you play them they go no I don't know them Uh, they're just that band but just it's a very funny band for two guys to care so much (laughs) about. which is another reason why uh, a different Paul Rudd movie, which just missed my list, and we'll talk at the end, Role Models. I don't know if that's oh, yes, on anyone's yes, list. Yes, yes. KISS is another yeah. amazing band to have as your favorite band. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. And to center a movie around KISS and, and uh, what's the, the role-playing, what is it? Um, uh, oh, I have no idea. The LARPers. The LARPers <laughs> yeah, the live-action role-playing, yeah. the LARPers. Uh, just a very funny concept. I wanted to get Role Models in here so badly and mm. just couldn't movie. justify it because yeah, some of these yeah. are so strong. Um, but yeah so there's so there's that. So we're up to the number fours now. Yeah. Is that right? Number fours. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: I think so. Uh, we'll go, uh, Rob. You got your number four.
2: This is the only rom com on my list. Number four, forgetting Sarah Marshall, mm. another Jason Siegel movie. I That's going to that come higher. up again on mine yeah, as well. Okay. All right.
0: Yes. All right. Yeah. So number four. On that one. And um, I, I will say that, like, I was like, I have two Jason Siegel movies on my list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what, what? Like, I don't even like him. What? But I, it's you know, I guess I do. I guess I love him. Yeah. Uh Oz, number four. So I did old school. Old yes. school yeah. on uh, yours. Not on my, it's not on mine so either. And that was my on, um, that was my controversial exclusion because I think at the end of the day, it it should be in my top five, but I left it out for other <clears throat> for other representations of Will Ferrell. So I start on I old school. I just went three
1: in a row on Will Ferrell. Um, old school is I, in my memory it is probably the first like funniest movie i've ever seen it might not be the funniest movie but i remember it coming mm-hmm. out i remember seeing it mm-hmm. I remember getting the dvd that's three dudes firing on all cylinders yeah. at the peak of their career absolutely and, and it's a really funny um, and four if you want to include jerry you know Pivens. it's funny it's funny um it was funny then because it came out when we were around the college age right yep. now it's now and where the <laughs> the main character's ages, and it's still in almost a different way. Like, we've crossed the threshold it, of, like, true. we are the people now that would go live in that house as older. Like, <laughs> like I fucking went to Home Depot it's today. It's Sunday morning. Bed, <laughs> bath, Depot. and beyond. I don't yeah. know. We'll see I, where I, the work goes. went to Home Depot today, and I, I would rather be, like, funneling in a fraternity house, like, the night before. Yeah, of <laughs> course. But, no. you know, it's just, it, it's um, it, it hits on, I think, both the college age and the, and as, like, I don't want to call these movies, like, quote unquote, deep because, they're really not But it's right. uh, Like if you can get them From both perspectives it's, it's This really
2: up. starts Other than Caddyshack For golfers Like this starts The movie that you quote With your friends Every time you see them To the point where Your wives and girlfriends Just hate the conversation That you're having Yeah So now Now like you know A lot of different movies You're quoting But I think in college Like this was Maybe the only language I talked in For a, for a whole semester Oh a, so a all, thousand Old school quotes yeah.
0: A thousand percent and, yeah. and for me it's like Growing up, you have like your uncles and your your neighbors pushing the the seventies comedies, whether it's Caddyshack or or animal Blazing house. Saddles, Animal House, yeah. and it's like, all right, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, and you watch it, and it's like, oh, I like this, but I'm you know I'm not like rolling over on the couch. Old school is when I got it. That's when I'm like, now I see why these guys, because this is gonna be my Animal House. This is gonna yeah. be my Caddyshack. And that's what it is, and and you know, will will our kids like look at, at old school and think it's funny when they're when they get to high school and uh, who knows, you know? But I know,
2: but people that are in college now probably look at like neighbors at Zac Efron as like their old school, and that's just you know a little depressing. Comedy, comedy's, <laughs> comedy's right. a weird <laughs> subjective thing.
0: Yeah, it is true, and and two unbelievable television entities in in this one just really clicking on all cylinders, and uh, Jeremy oh, Piven, Piven is yeah. number one. Like there was a, there was that that snapshot in time where he just had the microphone in his hands and he was just slaying. And this movie and Entourage are just like, the world, the world, he had the world's ears. Yeah, Yeah, they were ready to go. And he's the
1: this is like peak Pippin which was awesome and uh, he's like the fourth funniest person in the movie yeah, like, uh, maybe uh, yeah. you know like, no. but he's probably
0: <laughs> my favorite part a
1: <laughs> yeah. you know.
0: couple violations back here okay that's it. yeah
1: you can't help yeah
0: before. we, we got a couple whippets <laughs> in the back I guess if you, uh, we could do this
1: all day Jesus. don't turn around don't turn yeah, around do this
0: all day. Um, just, just great Wang Chang what is it uh, the other one is uh, Alicia Cuthbert and, and just, you know, her, her coming off of Kim Bauer on 24 yeah. and in that, in that role, in, in the regrettable uh, presence in the movie as the high school girl right. that sleeps with if, the guy who doesn't even belong hanging out in, in college.
1: The, in 2021, she's probably college age. Right if Yeah, that, she's yeah. Cool And she's
0: smoking hot In this movie And every movie she's in Easy. Girl Next Door I think is right around The same time yeah. And her as Kim Bauer She just had that moment Of time where, where She's just the, Everybody's number one So yeah. great great stuff Artie
1: Lang appearance In that show Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Artie
0: Lang I mean, In the I mean, mix in too and, and Snoop Dogg Making an appearance At Mitchell Polizzo Snoopaloop <laughs> Snoopaloop I mean we could go on All yeah. day
1: and I just You know think what It's loop. now my number one <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> I'm, and I'm so <laughs> ashamed That I did not include it
0: And I cut it I cut it short for two other Will Ferrell movies. Okay. But. All
1: right, go ahead.
0: All right, so we're up to my four here, and I think my four is probably going to appear again, and that is Super Bad.
1: I, yeah, I have yes, to see not, okay.
0: not on your list, Rob? Not on my list. On no. list. Okay, so yeah. we'll talk about Super Bad in a bit. We'll go on to Rob's number mm-hmm. three, Rob. This is on here from Pure
2: Innovation, and I can't believe that they actually got this on film. And that's Borat. Okay. Okay. It's Borat.
0: No, time. that's a fair. Okay. A I, one. I was. I held. I held yeah, back yeah. from mentioning it in
1: one of our conversations there because I figured. I'm glad you put that. I'm glad you put that yeah. on. Yeah. No, that deserves it. That deserves a. That deserves a uh, an I literally inclusion. left
2: the movie theater, being like, "I can't believe that someone actually did that," because obviously it's filmed in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the only person that's acting, and like Sasha Baron Cohen's thing. That at this point he's kind of overdone a little bit, in my opinion. But his whole shtick of getting someone to reveal their own biases and like, but somehow doing it in a funny way. Yeah. Like when he's in front of the like um, rodeo and like getting like, we support your war of terror. <laughs> <laughs> hey George Bush, drink the blood of every man and woman. <laughs> and the audience cheers and goes along with it and goes along with it. Not to mention that Borat was a character on the Ali G show, which he did. Yeah. And, and
0: that's, so I was an Ali G guy before Borat came out, and before those uh, RDB uh, infamous, infamous BPC co host RDB, Which came over from college and was just like, dude, you have got to watch this fucking show, yeah. and and it is fucking bananas, and it's just great. Use all of the where they have um, his Ali G character as well as uh, Bruno is the is the yeah. gay character and Borat is that and they, they kind of bounce between the three so the, the shtick never gets stale because mm. they're going back and forth so the show is to me is the best form of that the original Borat is a movie I saw in theaters and just was just Howling. my face hurt from yeah. laughing it's, it was just so fucking funny thoughts on the newer one though
1: just with, won a bunch of awards I haven't seen that I haven't seen that but I would say the, the Borat was at a time where he was really at a at a and he, he probably still is at a peak creatively, but he just can't pull it off because of who he is now. But, like, mm-hmm. at the time of, of, of Borat, he was well, able to kind of... Now he's famous, so yeah, people recognize yeah, him. Yeah, he's... Now everyone's... And, and in the, the social media era, not that that wasn't... There was some social media. Era, that that was some social media era, right. Whatever year... I mean, what year was I that? I forget like, that? what year was, yeah, it was, but it was definitely like before, in the zeros, like, right? in the, before... the zeros, right? Before information uh, traveled yeah. as fast. So, like, as now as well. it's... We're in... We're in such, everyone is so hyper-aware of of everyone's going to have a camera because everyone has a camera in their pocket that it's way harder to do that. He, there's no way he could reach the heights of, of, yeah. of Borat. Yeah,
0: and as, as hard as I laughed and as funny as I thought the first one was, that's as unfunny as I thought the second one was, and I think a lot of that is, is what you're saying is just... They had to lean on too much plot because they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't knows. use uh, Rob. Yeah. What you said, his tactic of just going you know, sneaking in and, and making people r- reveal themselves, and it just it, the movie just didn't work for me at all. I just wasn't. It just didn't find it very funny. And I think that that's a little bit to do with kind of what's going on with comedy, like we just talked about. Like yeah. that sort of thing was in its wheelhouse back when Borat One came out, and now like that sort of comedy doesn't work the same way that the first one did. He had the complications of, of what he dealt with. And they, in the movie, there are people who are like, You're Borat, right? You're Borat. He's like, Ah, oh, I had to find the skies. You know, so yeah. it. Uh, terrible Borat impression there. But, but, <laughs> just, but yeah, but it, it, just did, it just did not work for me the way the first one well, did. No one actually really does a good Borat impression. A lot of people try. <laughs> Michael Scott does the best one, in my, <laughs> my thing. Uh, But yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so that's Rob. That's your three.
1: We're okay. at Oz, your three. My three. It is forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was mentioned okay. before.
0: Uh, Rob, you mentioned forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, that was my number four. That right. was your four, and it is also my three. Okay, so let's on. talk go forgetting on. Sarah Marshall.
1: Yeah, you know it kind of ties into Annie Hall, it's the breakup story from the start, right? Obviously different type of humor, but it's like a, a, a hilarious breakup story every step of the way, and uh, the, the the side characters are just so everybody comes in just firing away like every <laughs> single side character comes in and it's just awesome they're there 100% yeah it's amazing Paul Rudd is yeah. amazing, and not that Russell Brand is a side I mean he you know he has enough lines or it's hard to, to to call him a side character yeah. but he it, it's just unbelievable what he does amazing
0: in that movie. The, the awkward couple is he an
1: SNL guy the,
0: the one guy in there What is but, his name Yeah but just It's the, the, just that awkward They're trying to get The relationship sparked By going to Hawaii Bill Hader's uh, Oh the brother Yeah his, yes. his oh, brother-in-law God. Right And yeah, yeah. I mean d- there is Nothing That Bill's, Bill Hader's in That I don't think He's a 10 out of 10 in. I, yeah. I just fucking love that then, guy He's there,
2: awesome like, After the breakup Bill Haters like Takes him out to a club To like try to get him to you know be around some some people and you can see just how uncomfortable bill bill hitter is in the club just kind of looking around he's like we need to get out of here he's, <laughs> it's like you don't need to put your p in a v right now yeah now i need to be my l on someone's t's
1: <laughs> and similarly with um with uh, like diane keaton being being uh, uh, a pretty strong counter to to woody allen i mean Mia is not the she's not this like sad sack Person that needs to be saved, and you know she's kind of like an independent, good pushback on, uh, on the unbelievably
2: beautiful and, in this movie. Y- yes, yeah, she's, like maybe yeah. one of the best faces, yeah. most yeah. beautiful faces. Uh, it's
1: Hawaii, goddamn it! Yeah,
2: and you're in
0: Hawaii. It's just yeah. so rewatchable. Yeah. Throw it on it's point. one
1: of the more rewatchable yeah. movies.
0: You can so do. this is a movie that I avoided for the longest time. It pissed me off. The idea of it pissed me off. I-, I irrationally don't like the idea of a fictional character. Dating Mila Kunis you know, I, I don't, I, To me, I still have a chance Like That's kind of how I look at it And it's going to be Jason Segel And you got to be fucking kidding me So like, just the whole thought of it just infuriated me uh, This movie's incredible And it is. she is so good in this She is just perfect for that role Kristen Bell does a great job yeah. On the other side of it it's And I'm not the biggest Kristen Bell fan But she's aces in this movie They're both so I mean all right they're both so hot for for their different reasons you know and it just is just so it's so perfect the Russell brand factor you got to be yeah, kidding yeah. me Jonah Hill again not my favorite is incredible in this but I think that him playing the Dracula musical in the karaoke bar Dracula musical woo that's one of my favorite moments in any movie ever it's it is so fucking well delivered the, the, uh, I don't really want it to. Uh, it's, 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 it's not, it's gonna be weird. It's out of context. It doesn't make sense. And it's like, just do it. And then like, it's
1: happening. It's like, oh, what? It's oh,
0: yes. <laughs> so good. It's, it's brilliant.
1: It's so funny that that, is the climax of the movie of him reaching like he's now he's no longer lazy. He wrote his musical. He's performing it. Right, Dracula musical R- go, drag- with Bill puppets. Hader, his brother-in-law. Like, so good, in so amazing. Good. Puppets.
0: Uh, you brought up Paul Rudd as the surfing instructor. Just
1: fucking genius.
0: Fucking genius. Um, um, but it's really you do do in. It was kind of like a realization for me making this list. It's like wow. I guess I do really like Jason Segel, and I think he's you know what it is. Is like I don't love necessarily love him as an actor, but I guess I do. Yeah. You know, his writing stuff is just is just genius though. Like these movies that he's he's made are, are well, great that, stuff. That and,
1: Dracula musical is like a thing he wants to do. Yeah, it's I, not it, just it's, like the, his his character wants to do it. Like he wants that. He notch, should get after.
2: Yeah. It. Well, then he got to do like the Muppet.
1: And movie. he's a big Muppet guy. Yeah, yeah he's a right. big.
2: And the Draculas look like little Muppets. And,
0: and the Muppets <laughs> are and, on Disney Plus now. the, the original. Uh, Muppets Tonight was they added to Disney Plus, which I was always—I grew up on. I just love that. And what you mentioned
1: stuff, before, so. I mean, yeah, it's uh, for someone that, like Mila Kunis, you kind of—it's gorgeous. But they do a, like a pretty good job explaining why they fit together too, throughout yeah. like the funny of the movie.
0: I had I had Mila Kunis stock. <laughs> when, the, when Black Swan was out, and I thought she should have been up for an Oscar. and I thought she was going to huh? take the next. Her and Kutcher both, there were people like putting them in place, like where there was the jobs. I mean, that was a disaster, though, the, him being in the jobs movie. And yeah. he, had, he was in up in the area, like a, a brief spot in that. And I think they were trying to groom him to take the next step. It never happened. But I thought she could have. And they just married each other and just they're just living, living happily ever after as a good looking couple by themselves. I like, that, themselves, Zev- I like that 70s show. Uh, so we're in our number twos now. We all give our number threes. So Rob, give us the number two on the Rob R top. This is another of the 21st um, century.
2: another director who just has a category of his own. This is the Royal Tenenbaums.
0: Wow, it's
1: so my number two as
0: well. Wow, oh, wow. Okay. very wow. nice. Not on my list. Wow. Not on wow. my wow. list. Uh, yeah. Great choice. I love the Royal Tenenbaums. Give yep. it, uh, Rob. will let you go first here on this one.
2: So the reasons why I love it, um, it is so dryly funny. <laughs> Every character is, but especially Gene Hackman. He's got so many little lines and sayings that are just um, absolutely hilarious. Like, when he's at his daughter's play that she wrote and directed, and they ask him if he liked it, and any father would probably just say yes. He's like, "Nah, the characters didn't seem very believable to me. And she's obviously upset by that, and he says, well, honey, that's just one man's opinion. (laughs) It's like, yeah, one very important man in her life's opinion. (laughs) And then, I mean, in addition to how much I love the dry humor in it and just the Wes Anderson-ness of it, It's also just an absolutely beautiful movie. Yeah, like the filmmaking is incredibly fantastic, and like from everything from how set pieces are staged to
0: you know all the little details. Probably the best made movie we've discussed so far. I mean, yeah, definitely not a bold statement, but
1: yeah, I find Wes Anderson to be the most similar to Woody Allen in that it's a particular type of humor. I think it lands. A lot of people think it lands, but a lot I think a, a lot of people will look at this movie and be like, "That's not funny." Because um, it's just a particular type of humor, but they nail it every step of the way. Again, it's one of those things where every line is just hilarious. Like yeah. every, and everybody kills it. I mean the the uh, the Wilson brothers are just they come in so they're so good. Yeah. And then this is Ben Stiller becoming like probably just after Ben Stiller became really, really uh, popular. The the cast in this is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable cast historically.
0: Gwyneth is also really funny and yeah. I love Gwyneth Paltrow. the Danny much maligned- Gwyneth- much, yeah, oh, Dan Glover's great. Too. The much maligned Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's clicking on all cylinders here in this film. Beautiful in and, and Bill Murray too. <laughs> no, and it's I, it's I don't, I don't, kind of don't understand why people dislike Gwyneth Paltrow in the in the the film community. But I guess maybe that the Best Actress win and all that. Yeah, I've I've never really seen her in anything I haven't liked her in. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not in a ton of stuff. I think she's I think she's overlooked. In Seven, I think she's – her small role in Seven, I think she does a great job in it. She's killer in this movie. I, I'm, I'm a, a Shakespearean Love fan, so I think she's great in that too. So, uh, And the other thing is there's not much that can compete with a locked-in Ben Stiller. Right. I mean when he locks into a role, it is – he is just and gangbusters. He doesn't and have to
1: be the main character. If you
0: think of his career highlights, whether it's happy his, his role in Happy Gilmore – <laughs> the villain in Dodgeball, like, yeah. uh, and and his 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 kind of his angsty role in Tenenbaums, he's just very very good when he's when he's on point. So right. yeah. yeah, much much love to Ben Stiller though, for sure. So wow,
1: both of you had that at number two. All hail Wes Anderson! Love wow,
0: him. okay, and you're gonna do the Wes
1: Anderson? I'm gonna watch? do them all. Yeah, I did the you I just... did the Tarantino, I did the Fincher. I'm gonna do the the Wes Anderson. Uh... Wow, that's Low a
0: that's characters. a bold undertaking. I, I'm in the middle of my Eastwood watch here, the Eastwood directed <laughs> right, like film. So I'm, I'm getting to the end of the '80s here. I'm getting to the end of the '80s. We're we're approaching the early '90s. So, uh, I think I have Pale Rider is next. He's got uh, I think another western here. So, uh, so my number two, right? Those that was both yeah. of your guys number two. Okay, so my number two is Anchorman. It's on my list. It's coming up again. I figured it might be. So we will now well, go. It's my number one. So yeah, we're, we're on number one. one. Yeah. So it's Rob us. number one. Yeah. Is it your number one? I don't have it. You don't, okay? Yeah. So you, I, you I left, left that it out. one out. You left um, it out. So that was what I did with old school.
1: And I don't even have anything to argue about. Like it, yeah. So let's Rob was your number one. Yeah.
2: Let's
0: let's let you roll
2: with it. Yeah. So it's it's my number one because it is, um, you know, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay as the director. That tandem is my favorite comedy tandem of all time. You know they. have They've done, uh, you know, they had this unbelievable run where they did that and then Talladega Knights* and Step Brothers and obviously all the stuff they did on SNL together from Cowbell to, you know, you know, get off the shed and <laughs> all of Will Ferrell's most famous sketches.
0: The kitten in the, in yeah. the yarn.
2: It's actually, it's like, I think the, the plot is really like perfectly laid out because it's a redemption story. And meeting Ron Burgundy when he's, it's just like the exposition, the first 10 minutes of the movie, like his normal, usual world. It's just some of the funniest <laughs> shit. Like, um, Cannonball! Yeah, just, yeah. That's it. He just thinks that he is absolutely the shit. Um, and then obviously it's disrupted when, uh, Applegate,
1: uh Christina, Applegate. Christina
2: Applegate comes into the mix, and you know, now he's got a female, uh, counterpart, and he just, you know, that, that breaks his
1: brain. And he's fighting time too. Like, he's fighting but, society kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. It's, yeah. just, it's actually,
2: yeah, just, and the, the idea of doing like boisterous, sexist newsmen in the 70s as, and this is like their first big movie they got to do. Like yeah. Will Ferrell was in... He was in
0: *Down uh, at the Roxbury. He yeah. was in Old School. Yeah, he, was he wasn't like the, guy. the guy. This yeah. is where he's the yeah. guy on the and poster. This is his first yeah. starring, starring yeah. role, yeah. So, uh, The entirety of my adulthood, almost the entirety of my adulthood, I have praised Anchorman as the best comedy ever made. And uh, it isn't number one on my list because of the past couple of years, I've just... Uh, a, a certain movie has hit me in, in a way where I just think that that's taken the top spot. But the type of movie that makes you rethink what, how we evaluate comedies, like, and what really makes a great movie when you're in this genre. And I just think it is, the the four in the gang give transformative performances to the point where you're watching Steve Carell and you're not looking at Steve Carell. You're You're watching Paul Rudd and you're not looking at Paul Rudd. You're watching Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy is separate from Will Ferrell. And, and I, it's hard to say that about any of his yeah. other movies. The, it, they are transformative performances, and it's just endlessly quotable and incredible. Yeah. And it's smart. It's, it's saying something enough where it's not pushy or yeah. annoying. Those movie guys bag. are always like a few years ahead of the audience, too. A lot of
2: people, when it came out, I've had friends that saw it when it came out, and they were like, that movie was stupid. Like, why do you like that? Yeah. And then, yeah. lo and behold, 18 months later, they're quoting it to me. And they're, you know, they're
0: quoting it for the, the next five years. Just one of my favorite lines in the whole thing. I have to say, it's just a very, a very forgettable line that is amazing to me. Is they're all waking up hungover after the party, and Champ goes, "I woke up in a Japanese family's rec room." And they would not stop screaming. And he grabs his temples as, like,
1: a hangover
0: he had. He broke into a, a Japanese family's house. And he, he woke up in their, in their living room. And he's upset that they were screaming at him. Like,
1: What? <laughs> the uh, the extras on the movie are funnier than most movies. Yes. Like just the, like the half hour of extras are better yeah. than most comedy movies. And
2: not to mention Will Ferrell's done the Ron Burgundy um, character on like Conan. And yeah. those are all those yep. appearances. It's are its own thing. It's its own Superman thing. Man 2 I think is underrated. It's actually, I think it's really funny that, that I've watched it.
0: Three, Dude, I watched that this past year for the first time, and there were moments in that where I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. I don't think like the movie as a whole is all that great, but right. there are it is super underrated for yeah. sure. And but there are moments there that are like gasp for air funny. So that so that was your number one, Rob. Yeah, great choice. And again, it it pains me that I didn't say that as my number one, but I just I made the switch. I made this switch in my life. It was a it was a, a life <laughs> wow. decision. Yeah, it was a life serious, decision. Serious. It wasn't just for this list. But.
1: Yeah. Oz, you're number one. My number one is super bad. Okay. You
0: went yeah. super bad number super one. Bad. I had this higher on my list and as I kinda was staring at it for a couple hours yeah. it moved yeah. down a little bit just because so I wanted to give forgetting Sarah Marshall some love. But uh, yeah, t- talk to me about Super Yeah, bad, look man.
1: we're getting to the point where it's it's all right, yeah, anchor bad I'm not really gonna argue. <laughs> like it's you know it's the, they're all they're all great, but super bad has just the, the the high school character of that movie and the relatability of that movie. It's just fucking. Love. It's about people wanting to go to a party and get drunk, and it's the funniest thing. And the the as unreal as stupid as unrealistic the the, the police characters are with Bill Hader and uh, and Seth Rogen. I would watch a buddy cop movie with those, those two. two guys definitely yeah incredible. and it would it would be amazing and they're like two add-on characters and it's just it's, it's just incredible i don't know what else to say yeah. it's um you know just uh, the the the
2: they where they meet
1: charisma m- m- meet is unbelievable yeah the charisma between them and the McLovin <laughs> thing is just so... mclevin's
0: the low-key mvp in that one i mean he just <laughs> yeah. is just look so at his I, I, and they're I like your name's McLovin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> where's it's just one name yeah the fuck! I mean, it's it's, it's, about it's just about
0: like <laughs> it's just about kids trying to. You an Irish R and B singer? <laughs> uh, it, it's it's genius. The movie is genius in its simplicity. It's just kids hooking up. It's to hook just up kids trying playing. to get beer to go to a party. Okay. They're dodging the cops. They're just they're they can't quite figure out this. They're they're planning for college. I mean it's it's senior year in a nutshell <laughs> and just. It's awesome, and and I think that sometimes with comedies, that's the best way to nail it is is you're either going to go to something so bizarre and elaborate like Anchorman, or you're just going to be very yeah. simple. as just yeah. just, kids. just
1: break it down. Let's let's figure out the plot points or get beer and get laid. And the performances
0: yeah. of the main three are just yeah. are just incredible. The uh, Jonah Hill, um, the the actor who plays McLovin. I think he's just he's, he's called McLovin yeah. by his friends and family that's at it. this point.
1: That's
0: it. Uh, and Michael Sarah too. Just so just so good. Yeah, it was my uh, it was my number four. So I had I had Forgetting yeah, Star Marshall of Marshall 3 is, and Anchorman at 2. Uh, so we're, we're right there with I it know. too. But yeah, it just, just again, again, Bill Hader. Great stuff. So we're up to my number one. And this is, like I said, it was a, a life-changing moment here when I, I came to grips that the wow. best comedy ever made we're going. is Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is It is my number one with a the bullet these days. It is insanely absurd. Yeah, and it shouldn't work on so many levels. It should be the cringeworthy comedy that people bring up in yeah. passing to laugh at, but it is. It is performed at an award-winning level for me. There's yeah. all of the leads are just incredible. <laughs> Every single one of them. I mean, yeah. whether yeah. it's 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 Richard Jenkins, or or John C. Riley, or uh, Mary Steenberger, I mean, they're all just so fucking great with with the. It's, it's the kind of thing is like when you see that championship team that you look at and you go, you don't really understand why they won the championship. It's because every single position was played to perfection by the role player who, who was playing it. And Derek is the funniest fucking Scott, part of that movie. Yeah. His, every single line he has is pure gold. And it, it just I, I was on again this week, and I I was doing something, and I sat down on the couch and I watched it in its entirety. Uh, Horatio Sands with the the, the Billy Joel, the eighties yeah. Joel, just the only the eighties pure fucking gold. Just just great, and the, and and definitely the the peak of uh, Rob Riggle's, Rob, well, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Bow, bow. <laughs> what is he saying? Your brother wants a shot at the Catalina Wine Mixer.
1: <laughs> I mean, they make T-shirts about the Catalina Wine yeah.
0: Mixer. You actually Catalina watched him eat a man's penis? Oh, it was in it was in International Waters.
1: <laughs> it, that movie gets funnier every time I see it. Still to this. In day. the
2: car, let's go, Dane Cook. Twenty minutes.
0: <laughs> the family singing the yeah. Guns N' Roses yes. song yes. in the minivan uh, is it just is? Have you ever not smiled watching no. that scene? No. Is it you can't deadpan watch that I, scene? You have to smile. It is.
1: Fucking amazing! I love Guns N' Roses, and I know they're they're kind of making fun of it, and I still think it's the funniest fucking like. I scene think they're ever. glorifying. It. I don't really the see others. them as making fun of it. Who I mean, they're turn- just
0: the concept of that's <laughs> the song they tr- like. "Sweet Child of Mine" is a family a cappella song, yeah. like ba da bum, ba da ba da bum, ba da. I mean, sounds great. Uh, amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing stuff. You're coming in late. You're flat. You're flat. Yeah. And then the, him driving into the oncoming traffic in. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> so, just, all right. So that's goodness. it. That's, uh,
0: the, add us if you disagree, if we forgot one, if we missed one. I don't, you know, I'm we'll, not on
1: Twitter or Facebook. So at the, <laughs> at the podcast, Karen At Best me.
0: Picture Cast. Get us. <laughs> Get us with it.
1: All right. Now we're going
0: to do our awards section here, our BPC awards. And we always start with MVP. Annie Hall, who is the MVP? of Annie Hall. Oz, you want to kick us off here?
1: Yes. I, uh, the MVP is Diane Keaton. Everything title character. I, yeah. Everything I've said throughout it, it's, uh, as great. This is definitely a Woody Allen vehicle. Um, he was awesome in it. Uh, he deserves a lot of accolades, but this movie probably falls flat on its face if you don't get a performance like Diane Keaton as the title character. So cheers to you. It's one of the best performances of any of the best picture movies. I think that have been wow. covered on this, this podcast. And, and she, that's a very easy This was the easiest one for me And it's Diane Love it Rob
2: I have a, kind of a blended answer here
1: Okay And this is going to Make be it your own
2: The character of Annie Hall So I, I'm agreeing with you In, in, uh, in some ways Oz and spirit Yes um, Roger Ebert said uh, In his review of the movie Women put up with a lot In Woody Allen movies And hmm. I'm going to say Annie Hall's right up At the top of the list Of shit she has to put up From LV Singer It's probably one of the most annoying or most difficult people to be in a relationship with. And she also, that character evolves the most throughout the course of the movie, like we mentioned before. She went from an insecure wannabe singer who never got up on stage to being like having a deal, a record deal with like Paul Simon out in LA and got him yeah. past all of her anxieties and challenges she was dealing with. So uh, she wins, the, the character of Annie Hall wins uh, MVP. But as far as like the person involved in the movie, it's Woody Allen, not only because of you know him writing and directing and starring in uh, Best Picture winning movie, but because this paved the way for so many other of these kind of underdog leading men
0: that we see in movie and TVs for the next 30, 40 years. For sure. And I'm going to go with the unpopular but obvious answer here in saying that the MVP for me is is Woody Allen. He's the writer, director, star of this one, nominated for all three spots. But I'm mostly going off the fact Seinfeld is one of the most important comedies comedy shows trauma Condy entities ever made and Kirby enthusiasm rivals it mm-hmm. and I don't think either of those entities are the same without woody Woody Allen's delivery of Annie Hall yeah. uh, I, I think that he unknowingly shaped both of those massive entities whatever he is as a person is what it is but I think that I think that Annie Hall is an extremely important movie. It's a, a very important film, and it's shaped modern art more than people understand. And and I think that's because of Woody Woody Allen's vision here. So that's all my opinion. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I, that's an agreeable choice from both of you.
2: And it, and it's and it continues on. I don't think you have people like Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill starring in comedies as the I, right as, a, as the leading man if you don't have Woody
0: Allen. LVP is next least valuable player.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go with the character of Rob, and/or Max. I mean. He he moves, he, maybe this is uh, Woody Allen just shitting on L.A. like unfairly, but as soon as Rob moves out there, he just becomes a douche, um, adding the fake laugh track onto his uh, sitcom and then, you know, having a threesome with the 16-year-olds, which is is actually illegal at the time that this happened, (laughs) Yeah. Um, not to mention just how, you know, awful it is, but uh, yeah, I mean, the guy's just... As much, I mean, as much of a great contrast to Alvy, he was in the beginning of the movie, and I was like, "This is the guy that Alvy needs in his life." He showed his true colors, and uh, for that, he's the LVP. Yes,
1: I, I actually am in <laughs> full agreement with you. Um, I don't, even, I don't think he was even that bad. But in a movie that uh, there's really not much to criticize, that he's he's one that really didn't bring as much to the table as possibly could have. So, but I am in, a, I'm in agreement yep. with that LVP.
0: It's a clean sweep here. Tony Roberts is my LVP in a movie that's so tight as this and you have star-making rookie cameos coming yeah. in like it's just it's very hard to exist in this movie as a as a plain character and he kind of is that uh, here for me so it, it, it again it's not that he was bad. This is a close to perfect movie and yeah. he just is he's just not He's not hitting the same notes as everyone else. I had to stuff. think
1: like hard on this LVP. Yeah, this wasn't, was it wasn't wasn't an easy one, but he's issues. just
0: he's just d- d- drags behind the rest a little bit.
1: Participation
0: award. This is our honorable mention award. We want to shout out someone else. Uh, There's so many options this one. There really are so many options. So, what, where are we going? Uh, Oz, you go first. Here.
1: I'm going Chris Walken. Um, okay, and we 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 hammered it home before. What else needs to be said?
0: Yeah, I mean, this could be renamed the Christopher Walken Award, you know, for, for his role in this. He is the the consummate participation award, BPC Honorable Mention participation award in this. Like, there's no—he has one brief scene and segment to it, and he steals the show. I mean, he, he he's in the MVP conversation in this movie,
1: believe it or not. It's in incredible. Such a, he, he stole it in such a Christopher Walken way. Like he just put his stamp on it, unbelievably amazing. I got nothing else to say about him.
2: I'm going with Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Of course, there you go. That's where you can go next. Four (laughs) words. I mean, we we talked about this before, but like calling up your guru or your 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 coach because you forgot your mantra. (laughs) It's something you're supposed to repeat to yourself like a hundred times a day, every single day. How do you forget
0: your mantra? (laughs) I forgot my mantra. Is, has there ever been a better dig in California than that? Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. one brief scene, uh, and if if I have to, I mean, uh, walking to me was was my choice, and I was picking between him and and Goldblum, but uh, let's throw. Paul Simon in the mix too yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. just Just awesome yeah. Great presence in this movie You'll love seeing him here so. Quotes Let's do our quotes here uh, Rob I know you were You pro- you probably have a, a, a small dictionary Of quotes in there But what, what did you what, what ended up being your? Well topic? it's kind of A movie of quotes I mean that's the, It is
2: Woody Allen's writing Punchlines the whole movie uh, And we've
0: We've talked about Some of these movies Having kind of a hard time Picking out a quote And like some of these movies are not such quotable movies. This is the opposite. Extremely this is just, this, this was quotes. too hard. Yeah, there's yeah. quotes left and right. So, And um, they're
1: quotes that I don't even want to deliver because, it's, you know, <laughs> it's not as funny. Yeah. Right, so right, I'm so just going get... to run through these. Yeah.
2: Uh, intellectuals can prove that you can be absolutely brilliant but have no idea what's going on, which is, he says when his ex wife has no idea why he finds basketball appealing, and she's obviously very intelligent. Why do you, and then he kind of makes a move on her. And she says that, like, his, he's using sex as a, uh, like, revenge tool against, the, like, the, her cultural people. And he says, why do you always reduce my animal urges to psychoanalytic categories? <laughs> um, don't knock masturbation. It's sex with someone I love. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> classic, classic. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, yeah, about Hollywood. It's so clean out here. Yeah, it's because they don't throw their garbage away. They make it into television shows. I had
0: that one on my list, yeah.
2: too. Uh, I like when he goes over to kill the spider for Diane Keaton, and he says... Darling, don't worry, I've been killing spiders since I was 30.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. And I
2: heard that um, he's talking about journalism he doesn't like. So I heard the commentary and dissent merged f-
0: into form dysentery.
1: That's great. Oz, what did you what did you settle on? Sure. My line, uh, he actually drops it twice, and it's a copy from a uh, Groucho Marx, and it's, uh, it's about... You know, he he doesn't want to be a part of a club that would have him as a member. He drops it in the beginning and then somewhere again, like in the middle uh, beginning of the movie, and it just shows his his how, how he's just so uh, just down on himself, and that's his humor, and that's how he he gets through life. And that's
0: kind of the thesis statement of yeah. this movie. And this is a movie that's pretty much built around a famous quote. So it's kind of that's that's uh, that's a great choice. I I went with when he's. He sees the the happy good-looking couple and he's like how are you how are you making this work and she goes well i'm i'm very shallow and empty and have no ideas and nothing interesting to say and he goes and i'm the exact same way and Woody Allen goes, oh, so you, you figured something out here. You figured something out amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, that makes sense to me. So a little bit of a tricky one here. Scene of the movie. What was, if you, if if you're leaving Annie Hall, what's the one scene that kind of sticks with you that, that you, you'd highlight here? The
1: most memorable is when they first met and they're up on the roof um, mm. talking to each other, but there were the subtitles of their mental uh, conversation that they were having, and, and uh, I think it... it is a really cool way to tell a story a but also for the characters it shows how like almost damaged they are that they can't come out and say what they really mean to each other they both were interested in each other they were just making real small talk but in their head they were like oh, i'm not good enough for this but both both uh, Alvy and annie were like um you know he, he or she won't like this about me and he or she won't like this about me and they did the same thing on the the breakup but i have it as the first time around when they're talking to each other when they first met on the roof
0: yeah that's a that's a great choice Rob, Rob what did you have there for seeing the movie
2: uh, I like the LA party at Paul Simon's house um, okay. not only is it, it in and of itself really funny because of how they're making fun of LA but also really important in the movie it, it's like that's the point at which like she's going to keep growing and he's not going to be able to move on so it's really like kind of the um, high water mark
0: I mean I, I love the lobster scene uh, that to me is the one probably stuck with the most. but I, my my choice is the, the long shot uh, line to the movie theater, you know, of of the guy annoying him behind him and then him him introducing him to the Canadian philosopher and and just uh, just fantastic to me. Like I I to me that's that's says everything you need to know about annie Hall right in a little a exactly. little moment there. So. Right off the bat. Um Time Machine recast. So we take any actor any point of their career, any actor or actress from any point of their career we put them in the Delorean. We put them in the Hot Tub Time Machine. We send them from Al's diner straight to this movie. Where are we at here? All right, so Oz, you're ready. Here we I, go.
1: I was tempted to to recast uh, fucking Max slash Rob, whatever okay. they're they're calling each other. I don't want to change the movie though. Yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> want this movie to change. So I'm going to recast uh, Grandma uh, Hall. Okay. And she's gonna be the grandma from Wedding Crashers.
4: But wow! We're gonna give her a, Grammy th- Hall.
1: We're going to give her a couple lines to, to to take some shots at uh at Al.
0: Okay, I love it. I love it. Fantastic. That's great. And I'll go next because I picked the same character. I'm also recasting Grammy Hall. They 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 tease Grammy Hall. They get you and they just see this little old lady. Of, I wanted yeah. Grammy Hall to have a little teeth. So, I picked one of the best grandmas in the history. of... Of television filmmaking, and that is Nancy Marchand. You better know her as Tony Soprano's mom oh, from boy. The Sopranos. You win. I want her coming in hot, just and it. breaking yeah. him down. What bigger nightmare is seeing Tony's mom? It's all a big nothing. Just coming, edit, and, coming edit, in hot. Edit mine out. <laughs> move on. So that was my Grammy Hall yeah. recap. <laughs> Rob, we, you haven't been in, in, in the mix here for these recasts in a while. I'm interested to see where you're yeah. going here. What, well, where's, where's your time just machine?
2: A, just a comment on on, um, on Greg's. If you wanted to recast Rob slash Max, you know how, when how Jason Sudeikis does the assholes character. Okay.
1: Yeah,
3: just
2: chewing gum and I'm like, yeah, hey babe, yeah, just kind of like not really thinking too deep about yeah. anything. That that might fit in there. I'm but, just
1: worried about that becoming like a funny. Person In the movie yeah, okay. I don't know Is that Fair necessary Sorry, but like, Well yeah, then that's, that's Then you're your definitely
2: right. Not going to like My next choice <laughs>
0: Okay um, And I, I actually I might be asked to leave
2: After oh. I show this one
0: <laughs> Well because. I mean the, the bar has been set Very yeah. high I mean you were On the podcast Where already Recast the host Of The sumdog Millionaire With <laughs> Steve Harvey so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's we're in the same recording spot where Nicola put Shrek into Braveheart, so I think I think you're, yeah, it's going to be hard for you to break ground okay. here, but hey, let's see what you well, do. I know, I know how much you guys both love Diane Keaton's performance of okay. this. Oh, recasting right, the right, MVP.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah.
1: is a, this is a, a uh, tough
2: move here. With the character of Elaine from Seinfeld. And uh,
1: that Julia, put in which, Julia, Julia Lee Dreyfusson as, as Annie Hall. Yeah.
2: I could yeah, I could see it. I just she's also a fantastic actress and I just find her like a little bit more appealing in the ingenue role than I do Diane Keaton. And interesting. that's with full respect to Diane Keaton's acting ability. I think mm-hmm. she's a great actress, great artist. I'm not I just wasn't like gaga over yeah, interesting. over, over Annie
0: Hall. There. Hall. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this is our, our BPC calculator mode here. We go one to fives and Interestingly enough, Rob, this is conceived off of, of one of your talking points in the Chicago episode where you more or less said there's three main focuses to, to making a movie and what would make a good Best Picture winner and yeah. was performances and how the movie shot and then the story and how it's told. Mm. And that kind of got us to thinking, or right, let's come up with a little rating system. And believe it or not, you have not been on an episode yet to use this system, though. So this is your first time in the crack here. So we go one to five. One is the lowest uh, tier. Five is the highest tier. Five is our give them the Oscar award winning tier. No no question about it. Four is we'll go that with that nominee. But I'm okay with a nominee without a win. Three is okay, admirable, but I, I don't think it deserves an award. Two is um, no, no, and one is why have we been having this conversation? So, one to five performances in Annie Hall. As you go first,
1: that's uh, a five. All the reasons stated before, whether it's Woody um, and what what I believe Diane Keaton did, and even the, the heat checks of uh, of uh, Goldblum and uh, and Walken. This is a, and Simon is, and both Yes, yeah. I keep forgetting How could I? I mean, this is a this is a five.
0: Great.
2: Yeah. yeah, performances. I'm going to go 5 as well. Well, well actually No, In my my original ranking You just recasted the uh yeah, the main cast. <laughs> I'm going to go 4. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking just purely on performances and I'm going to rank this against like Russell Crowe and Gladiator. I don't know that it's n- no doubt give the acting. That's like,
0: fair. Uh, award. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one and I've had a hard time with this and I've still been on the fence even while recording here because you have a, a slam dunk actress winner in my opinion and you have a slam dunk nominate don't give him the award in the actor i came into this one with a four i think i've been talked into a five and oh, i wow. think that the, they should accomplish i think that the reasons are Oswald Your your what you said about Diane Keaton, 100%. Those little supporting roles are just, they're just, they're better than, they're better than almost every movie in this list Of just far as like giving such a small sliver of the pie and just delivering a whole fucking <laughs> slice. Like, you know, it's just, it's great. And uh, walk in gold bloom Simon just so so good I'm, I'm I'm going to go soft five this would be we don't allow the halves yes, we don't yeah, allow I four know, and a half this, this would be like the constant yeah, four that. and a half but I, I will I will go five here with that so how the next section is how the movie shot how it's presented on screen all the visuals everything visual coming behind it one to five Rob we'll have you go first so this is the lowest number of the of the categories for me
2: it's uh, three mm-hmm. and it's just because it did feel a little bit gimmicky at some some points some of the choices made using the cartoon breaking the fourth wall um you know some of the split screen stuff is it if it was it effective yeah maybe but it, it all of it together seemed a little bit gimmicky
0: okay yeah then that's that's fair yeah
1: that's fair and i i essentially agree with rob my rating is a four a little bit higher but the reasoning is is why i'm not you know as I really wanted to give it a a, a five But what Rob said I think is exactly right That it did feel gimmicky at times And you know we're going to have to address The movie that it's up against In in Star Wars When we're talking about how it's shot Um, And if you have a movie lined up that year And it it probably doesn't meet The movie that it's up against that year How could I really give it a five As much as I want to So I'm going to give it a a four
0: A four, okay And I mean the Academy essentially agreed with you Rob They did not Nominated it for cinematography uh, or anything visual or audio or even film editing, so I mean they were on that that three that three slot. I am going to give this one a five um, it's the cinematographer of the Godfather. Mm. I mean this movie is not put together by a jV team here. This is a masterfully made film. I think that the gimmicky stuff is gimmicky in retrospect, and that's of course we're watching all these movies in retrospect, mm-hmm. but I think that it, that that sort of stuff has been abused by amateur filmmakers since then, and that makes that hurts how this one comes off a little bit. Yeah. Every moment where they did that, and I relived this rewatch, I just had a smile on my face and, and dug yeah. the, the whole Snow White thing, the subtitles, the Annie Hall leaving her body while she's having sex yeah. stuff. Like it's just they definitely threw the kitchen sink at us, but. Uh, i it worked for me yeah. so it's a five it's yeah, a yeah the for me. fourth
1: wall stuff is, has been abused i think as as Oh, it's oh yes, more oh so yes, than, than at that time. but I'd
0: like to, I'd like to kind of like, what is the history of the breaking the fourth wall? Like, were, were they doing, like, were, were the examples of this in the 40s, 50s, and 60s before this? I don't know, so I, I'm wondering <laughs> well, if this is early in the process, but it's definitely been, it's definitely sure. been abused recently. And the final, the final category here is the stories, the themes, how they're told. I'll go first on this one. This is going to be a five, five, five or for me. I've given out a few of those here, season two, so I, I don't want to, you know, make it sound like I'm a soft critic here. <laughs> But I do think, and I do believe that every movie I've given a five, five, five to warrants it. In the in the spirit of what we're doing here, I think that the fact that this movie is is still so applicable and so relatable in twenty twenty, everybody who's lived a normal life has gone through a relationship and a breakup and has dealt with the things that they're talking about here in this one, and it's just it's impressive to make a movie in the seventies. That snap of the finger, you can just plug into someone's life in 2021 and just say, yeah, okay, I've dealt with this before, I deal with this, and, and not have it feel old and dated. It's It takes a vision to do that, and I thought they nailed it here. And I think the themes here, relationships, looking back on relationships, reality reality versus perception, and, and what happened versus how it happened to how you remember it. It's, I think it's great. I, I think that they nailed the themes here with this. Rob? Yeah, I agree with uh, the five. Yeah, definitely how
2: relatable it is, how it stands the test of time, like you just said, and how like smooth and seamless um, just the the pacing of their the relationship is. Um, it's not like another rom com where it's so formulaic and you can see it coming from a mile away. Like she's outgrowing him, and like that's just why it, it it ends up not working. And also the the fact that they were able to end the movie without, like I said before, the classic let's kiss and fall in love and get married and live happily ever after thing. Yeah, so I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah. uh, I have a a five as well. Um, Easy five. Movie applies. These themes apply in 1950, in 2000, and they'll probably still apply in 2050. So, yeah, that's. A, I mean, if if that's not a five, I don't. I don't know what is.
0: As long as people are interacting and, and yeah. involved with each other, this will happen. So as so. humans <laughs> want to
1: hang out with each other, this this is a five.
0: So, Rob, a, a four three five for you. Yeah. Oz five, a five four, four five, volume. and I went and I I came in here with a four five five and was talking to a five five five. I only, so, and, and where do you think this ends up in this in the one to ninety two? Does it does yeah. it break the
1: top twenty five? So I did it in thirds, and I was like looking at it as. Um, The movies I've seen that that you guys have done so far. Um, And I have it at the very very end of the top third at like 33, 34. That's where I have this.
0: I think that's fair. Rob, any thoughts on on this I'll use my ranking system that
2: that got me on the uh, Slumdog Millionaire podcast, which is three classifications of Oscar winners one hell yeah I'm glad it won two I guess that's a great movie or whatever I'm not into it but I can see how people like it and three hell no the infamous eye roll
0: Yeah. yeah eye roll and this is going to be in the hell yeah category. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm and I'm with you there yeah. with that. And for me, I think that this is a this is a top third movie, yeah. and I think it's a top twenty five contender.
1: It, it's just probably sure. below some of the, the the Godfathers of the world, you know? And yeah, a I think that of, you
0: have to look at so. this sometimes. And say how many of these movies have actually influenced yeah. what's going on today? Yeah, this and this thing. one clearly yeah. has. Yeah. Like it clearly has, and yeah. a movie like The Godfather clearly has. But,
1: yeah, it's definitely a hell yeah. I mean, that that's a great way to great way to do. Hell it. Yeah. yeah, numbers are numbers are hard to do to, yeah. when you haven't seen them all you
0: know right yeah so we have our recommendation section if you liked Annie Hall if you just watched Annie Hall where are you going next and um Rob you've been chopping at the bit on this one <laughs> like you've been, you, I think about five minutes in you wanted to hop into it and say, yeah. so where so uh, what are you going with your recommendation so as far
2: on? as if uh, other other rom-coms especially from like relatively close to this era uh, When Harry Met Sally mm. if you, oh, know, okay. you mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. That another great New York love story um Definitely Seinfeld, and Pervert Enthusiasm, the Larry David influence. A couple other ones here: Sex in the City. I think <laughs> if uh, for the female listeners out there, and, and yeah. guys too, if, if you're into that show, single people in New York who yeah. you know are, are dealing with relationships. Lucy K's FX show. You know, it's a guy who's very flawed, as we all know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's you know a, a guy kind of struggling with his flaws and, and his relationships. Once again in New York. Yeah, dude, go
0: All all great choices. All great television. I, I love it. Oz, what would you go?
1: I went um, away from the type of humor, the the, the Woody Allen uh, type of humor, the dry humor, and more towards like the out of order breakup movie. A movie called Five Hundred Days of Summer. Oh wow. Okay. okay. Uh, so
2: additional. Yes.
1: Yeah. And uh, Gordon Levitt, and it it's one. It's five hundred days of their relationship, and it jumps from day two hundred to three to. Four seventy and back and forth, and it's not that. Has no spoilers. It, it might not have the the happy rom com. I mean, it is a rom- certainly is a rom com, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have the dry sense of humor that you might be looking for. But uh, as a breakup story, an out of order breakup story, I think it's a it's a, a an easy watch.
0: So this one, I was torn between two, and one I'm going to be. We talked, we teased our top ten movies of of all time, favorite movies of all time, and this is the there's a movie that's on that list for me that I'll I won't pick for this but it was impossible for me to watch this and not think of eternal sunshine of the spotless oh, mind in yeah, okay, okay. just reviewing your old you know yeah. your relationships and and kind of commenting on that as you like that where there you have jim carrey and kate winslet watching what's happening and commenting on. Oh, this was a great memory for us. And like the, yeah. there's, there's just a very reminiscent of that. But uh, there will be a time where I will talk about that. In talk about yes, because that is a top point. 10 yeah. movie of all time yeah. for me. I went with a a movie from 2019 that I think really got overlooked in in the grand scheme of the best picture race with with Parasite and and 1917 as the top dogs and i think a movie maybe people didn't see just cuz they thought eh this is a little upsetting I want to do it it's marriage story with um yeah. Scarlett johansson and adam driver incredible incredible performances in that movie it is hard subject material especially if anyone i mean i have not been married or been through a divorce so like <laughs> i doesn't like i'm sitting there with popcorn just with a big smile on my face like but uh, um i'm sure it's hard for someone who's yeah. gone through that but it just really Really exemplifies all of the all of the fleshy nature of a breakup and and everything that goes into it. And when you have a kid involved, and we'll talk about Kramer versus Kramer when that time comes. Mm-hmm. But go out and see Marriage shorts on Netflix. It's it, if you liked this, I think that this dials it up a notch. But it's certainly critically won.
1: acclaimed for sure.
0: Okay, and as we say in every open here at Best Picture Guest, this is not a who should have won podcast, but we do like to go over the other movies nominated for Best Picture. And you, and what is happening? Another, again, the again. <laughs> this is where the glass is broken again, and Grant Z is coming to the ring. All right, Grant, Grant Z security. is here. Obviously very passionate about Julia, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> it be about Julia,
1: how Julia should have won.
0: Uh, Grant! How you doing? I'm doing well. Welcome. I'm we have another run in well. our second run. run-in. This is a BPC
4: record mm-hmm. here. Two run ins in one episode. This is getting out of hand. <laughs> this <laughs> is. This is a raw, the classic attitude era episode. This yeah, there are stone cold stutters everywhere goes. here. Yeah.
0: Goes. So, uh, welcome. Um, Thank you. You're here to talk about another nominee, I'm
4: guessing. But- well, you know, you say this isn't a uh, this isn't a who should have won <laughs> podcast. Uh. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> applicable. For almost every year, except for this one. Oh, I thought Jaws should have won in 19... 19- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm better with Jaws losing to Cuckoo's Nest. But I don't want to use this as an opportunity to shit on Annie Hall because I love this movie. I think it's great. Um,
0: to be clear, we're not talking about Julia, we're not talking about Turning Point, we're not talking about the Goodbye Girl, we are talking about... No, we're talking
4: about the Goodbye Girl, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> Star Wars Episode Four: A New yeah, Hope, did I say it? that right?
4: Yeah, well back then it was just Star Wars. Okay, you know, okay. You know, they had no idea what they were doing back then, it was kind of <laughs> fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. And I, and I think that it's a movie that um, was so ahead of its time and so... Um so unique. We've never you've never seen a movie like that before. Not not done to the scale that it did. And it wasn't just like some popcorn movie. There was a ton of heart in it and there was a ton of um I wouldn't say great acting. There was good acting in it for the most part.
0: Sir Alec Guinness crushing I mean, yeah. I mean, nominated was, role.
4: But like, like the main like the main roles were weren't that great, but it was a movie that was that took place in space, but it was still you could still connect to it on a human level. Yeah. And uh it was it was in my opinion flawlessly executed and the fact that the academy couldn't see how this was changing how this is going to change film yeah was kind of short-sighted again i'm not shitting on annie hall here it's just like they just want i think i think the academy just wanted to seem a little bit smart i think they kind of wanted to flex a little bit saying that they're in on it and they right and they oh we we like that they have uh, marshall McLuhan. On on <laughs> on camera that we're yeah, making fun right. of the guy who's making fun of Fellini, they're shitting on the TV industry, you know. It's uh, and and stuff. we did talk
0: about how Annie Hall changed yeah. comedy a little bit, oh, and, yeah. and there there was influence there. And to to be clear too, we did Star Wars was nominated for ten Oscars, it did win six, Eleven so it wasn't episodes. yeah art direction. <laughs> costume design sound film editing visual effects original score the great john williams and then also got an honorary award um a special achievement award
1: so just to to piggyback on on what grant stated and also what you guys spoke about on oliver last week with space odyssey right how the the committee how they tend to vote i think you're a little uh you were excusing the committee a little bit last time on oliver about Mm. like how oh well they just they Space Odyssey was so new and so, you know, forward that they, they couldn't catch that. It's kinda of their job, right? And even in this in this yeah. scenario, as I love it, it, this is I've been on this is my third one. This is the highest movie by probably by far that I've been on. <laughs> Star Wars should have won this and they should have they, they needed to kind of even you know, Star Wars isn't for everybody, not everyone's gonna love it, but they needed to kinda of realize that's that's kind of what they do. They're supposed to kinda of see these movies and what they're gonna do forward thinking and they, they likely should have um, uh, uh, spotted that and appreciated that and given Star Wars this award just like they should have given Space Odyssey the award over Oliver um, because they need to they need to think forward not current and backwards.
2: I can think of six billion reasons why George Lucas uh, was, was compensated
0: fairly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: right, 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 right. And but, I mean, six but,
0: six Oscar wins and, you know, yeah, and ten yeah, nominations. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, even brush it wasn't brushing under the rug. Oh right. no,
2: definitely not. But with that said, I, I have to excuse myself from this part of the conversation because I've never seen Star Wars. Wow.
0: wow. <laughs> never seen Star Wars. Yeah. Interesting. You do um, get out of
1: here. I will, You're not I will, welcome here.
0: I will, like, reverse your rundown with... This is the best Star Wars movie, and now you're gonna you're gonna now are you against the new hope? I'm not, I'm not
4: hope. gonna argue. I, I think <laughs> I think the fact that you don't like Empire that much, and the fact that you don't like Yoda, well, makes me want to yeah. you throw you into this fire pit right next to us. But, <laughs> well, I think uh, what not, is, Yoda's, not, Yoda's a little
0: I'm, annoying. He's I'm, a little like he's a snarky <laughs> Muppet. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm, here. Not, like, I'm not
4: gonna I'm not gonna fault someone for putting this as their as their favorite Star Wars movie. I'm not because it's it's great.
0: And also, I don't dislike Empire Strikes Back. I think that's the next best star wars movie but i just think that, that a new hope is better than that's i just fine. think it's better that's, that's I, I, how I, that's it's that's
4: um what's what's what i where i go to get on hope, my nerves a bit exactly. where i give a new hope the advantage is that it can exist on its own it can it can be a self-contained movie if you want it to be empire you kind of need the other you at least need star wars yeah. to kind of introduce yourself you can't just go into empire cold
0: that right yeah, right. Yeah. So it's it, it is a true sequel. Right.
1: The good news about this is whatever whatever won the year Empire was out. You're gonna have be able to have this conversation again.
0: Close Encounters of Third Kind. Uh, Grant, do you know that
4: one? I have not seen it.
0: Okay, so I watched that for this. It wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but was up for Director for Spielberg. Right. And it, this is his next movie after Jaws. So Rob, have you seen Close Encounters of Third no, Kind? I have not. No. So it, it, Richard Dreyfuss captaining that one too. Yeah. And uh, good. You know, solid one. It wasn't, yeah. it's not the most entertaining movie okay. in the world, you know, but... Um, that,
4: that one's in cinematography, I think, right? Yes.
0: You know, there's a lead-in for that to E.T. I think, like, he sure. kind of, he still was figuring himself out a bit. Of course, yeah. Steven Spielberg figuring himself out gets nominated for Best Director. But, you know, like, <laughs> that's... But yeah. it should, that should have uh, been
4: his second Best Director nomination, but that, we, we talked about that before. Right,
0: yeah, right. And that We're might be a little makeup there. And th- I think his next movie is The Indiana Jones. Other ones to go quick on. Here. Julia. Guys, have you ever heard of Julia?
4: Nope. Yeah, Julia literally dreyfus right? That's... <laughs> Julie, that. Julie and yeah. Julia? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even find this one. Couldn't even try to watch it if I wanted to. It's um, a good sign. At the behest of an old and dear friend, playwright Lillian Hellman undertakes a dangerous mission to smuggle funds into Nazi Germany. Escalated quickly. Um, Sounds okay. We have a Turning Point. anyone heard of this one either. Again, this is kind of like, sometimes these nominees just don't necessarily age well. Are we talking about the turning point left and right here? Turning point is, no one has it, is, uh, when her daughter joins a ballet company, a former dancer is forced to confront her long-ago decision to give up the stage and have a family. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. A 6.9 on IMDb, it seems like That's we could have slid Close Encounters of the Third Kind yeah, yeah, into yeah, this yeah. one, possibly. Yeah. Goodbye Girl is the other nominee there, and that is the one I watched for this. Yeah. And that was the uh, the Richard Dreyfuss Best Acting win, a Neil Simon play okay. that was, uh, was put in there. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to, in case anyone... Well, Rob, so you need to. You can hear the plot of Star Wars because we didn't, you know, <laughs> you haven't seen it, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to uh, inform you here. Luke Skywalker joins a... F-
1: Ever heard of him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Luke Skywalker joins forces with a Jedi Knight, a cocky pilot, a Wookiee. Uh, we'll explain to you what a Wookiee is off mic. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and two droids to save the galaxy from an Empire's world-destroying battle station, while also attempting to rescue Princess Leia from the mysterious Darth Vader. Now, that is by far the longest paragraph I've ever seen on an IMDb <laughs> yeah. description, so it's clearly a... that was written by a Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, yeah.
4: Star
0: fan? a Star Wars fan? We're just supposed to assume everyone knows what a Wookiee is. <laughs> yes. Check his Wikipedia A
4: Star age. Wars fan on IMDb? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grant actually wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> that's my
1: that's my
0: Goodbye, girls. After being dumped by her live-in boyfriend, an unemployed dancer and her 10-year-old daughter are reluctantly forced to live with a struggling off-Broadway actor. Like Super cool. watchable film. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it gets it gets you in there right away. Uh, there's a lot of dated elements of it. it sure. I don't think it's really, when you watch it, you think you're seeing, like, a Best Picture nominee. Right. But uh, a fine performance by Richard Dreyfuss, and, um, you know, and I think that plus Close Encounters together kind of kinda led into that. Yeah, it's, it's a, a, lot a lot of, of Dreyfus. And uh, I do want to, uh, John Travolta is, nominated this year, too, oh, for good. Saturday Night Fever. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we shout Good that out too. And Grant, before we go, you did want to rattle off your top five comedies. You, you sat here uh, cringing, wanted to jump in every second of the moment when, oh, when we man, were saying it was yours. Tough. But you're. Uh, Alright. So what are you, you're counting down from? Uh,
4: you have your my aunt, my your, yes, honorable six man out. Yeah. I have thirteen honorable mentions. Right. Oh God, Marty. No, just kidding. Uh, you mentioned role models. Um, that movie is super underrated. Yeah. It's a great movie, and um, it does not get enough love. Um, so I just wanted to throw throw that in there. Nice. Um, my fifth is a is another David Wayne movie, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's got that's, what is that like? That's got to be early two thousand one. Yeah, right. It. Just made it. Just okay. Made it. Yeah. So um, I will watch that movie every time it's on. It's great. The other one is a. Might be the most recent one, and it's uh, Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know if I don't know if you I don't yeah. know if you've seen that movie. Channing Tatum. I haven't seen that. It. It's, it's so yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Artie B's a big fan of that one. It's so funny because it's it it kind of takes what we know about high school. And it flips it on, flips it on its head, you know, like how like the skinny Jonah Hill in that one. See, the, yeah, the well, that's that's how he that's how he first got skinny was for this movie. Then, yeah, they
1: flip, they make Jonah Hill the popular. Jonah one. Jonah Hill like the body kid, the, the the and the and the, jo- and the jock is the <laughs> yeah. loser because yeah. like
4: no one likes jocks <laughs> yeah. anymore. It's it's <laughs> kind of like everything flipped. My third one um, is a British movie, uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, I don't
0: know that one. It's a Edgar Simon, Edgar,
4: uh, Edgar Wright movie. Simon Pegg, and uh, Simon Pegg, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like they're. It's *Torn of the Dead* for action movies. Okay, and it's brilliant. Wow, it's so brilliant. Now I, I did, I did remove *Anchorman* to avoid redundancies, but my top two mm-hmm. are redundancies. But um, I love them so much, I don't give a shit. Bring it on, my man! Number two, is super you ran bad. in. I mean, my we got to <laughs> deal with you in the ring now. My so. number two is *Super Bad*. Uh, for everything we've mentioned before. And my number one is Step Brothers. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Love, yeah. it. Hey. Love it.
0: Love it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Very, with very you good list. list. Gentlemen, we've reached the end of another one. Rob, welcome. You know, you, you're back. Well, it was good to have you back. Uh, back closing baby. thoughts here.
2: Closing thoughts on Annie Hall is, yeah, it's just, it's it's amazing to see how influential it is. And it's also kind of wild to watch something like this after you've first seen the stuff that it's influenced.
0: Yes. I yeah, saw
2: and, Seinfeld and Kerb before I saw this movie and like, oh, wow it's it is amazing to see uh yeah how
0: influential it was fun one to talk about and you can hear rob on the thursday night sales pod thursday
2: night sales podcast wherever you get your podcasts at tn sales pod on instagram and twitter
0: that's it and uh i i was on the episode that dropped uh just now and it's a two-part episode so two we'll be we'll episode, be back the sales yeah.
1: awards yeah. part two are coming out next thursday <laughs> i'm gonna ton be, ton be listening nice. to that very shortly and i'll report back okay. ton of fun stuff though. uh so, so. closing thoughts here. Nah, anyhow. great movie i love this movie happy i got to talk about this movie and uh it, it's it's a it's very high on my list and we'll see where it lands when i when i see a lot of the other classics that i haven't seen yet but this is this is uh this is going to be very highly rated for me this movie
0: i'm with you i had a blast talking about this one as as we normally do guys it was a lot of fun i'm glad to be a member of this club whether you guys want me or not thank you very much grant for the running <laughs> nice. i appreciate it nice. and uh we'll see you guys next time go now
2: i sit by my window and i watch the car <laughs> I fear
0: I'll do some damage one fine day. But I would not be convicted by jury of my peers. Still crazy.